Sifters, welcome to Game Face episode 362 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net, a crazy little podcast where we spin you around the awesome world of video games for a couple hours. And alongside me to do that is Matthew Kyle. What's up, Matt Kyle? You know, even in that black and white footage, you can tell how much less gray was in my beard. Oh, really? In January 2020. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. No. Yep. Um, that's a project that I need to get on is creating a new open for the show. We're actually... I'm no actually one will recognize us. We're too old now. Seriously. Yeah. It's funny how many... In just a few years, we've changed so much. I mean, that's not that old, even, that open. No, a lot of things have happened. That's true. A lot of stress has happened since that was made. It's been uh, it's been quite a few years here for everybody, yeah, not just us. The last three years are the longest 10 years I've ever been through. <laughs> Uh, hope you guys are doing good. Hope you guys have had a good week. Uh, hope you guys are excited. Uh, we have a good show today, but I'm telling you, next week's show is going to be a banger. We're going to have Spider-Man. We're going to have New Super Mario Brothers Wonder. We're going to have Sonic Superstars all in one episode. So mm-hmm. it should be a real banger next week. But we have a good one this week, too, because October is just awesome. Hopefully you guys have figured that out by now, because it's literally every week there's at least one game worth picking up. Uh, I think a lot of people had to budget their money pretty seriously for this month because then we have november which is another big month for releases the rest of the year looks pretty awesome although november isn't as is yeah actually this year is a kind of a calm november yeah. compared to years prior everything shifted to october this year yeah i might actually have to play call of duty <laughs> nothing, else, nothing else to do the campaign at least maybe yeah. yeah i mean i think there's like one or two big games every week for november i think yeah. we'll be fine for I mean, the I'll show poker, i would poke around at the multiplayer just to see i mean yeah i do find i have always found the little the even when we watch the we watch the B-roll of you playing, I always find the the, the endless pop-ups of XP shit and all that stuff to be very uh, satisfying. Mm-hmm. Just I, watching the B-roll, yeah. like I understand why people get a <laughs> get the dopamine hit out of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially the, if you can hear the sound effects of it, like they've that's one thing Call of Duty has done really well yeah. is create that, that like. Yeah, the yeah, ding, 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 ding. Like yeah. it's like you're, it's like you're a, a, a cashier and you're just like ringing up the sales. It just, it, there's mm-hmm. something about it that just makes it feel really good. Now it does go away as you play after your first couple weeks of playing or whatever. It yeah, for doesn't. me it's more like the couple hours. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> for you. Yep. But anyway, um, the big Call of Duty ba- open beta happened this past weekend. Hopefully, you guys got a chance to check it out and give it a play. Seems like most of the response to it have been pretty positive. Yeah. Um, oh, but now that I think about it, I'd have to go back and play Modern Warfare 1 and 2 so I knew what the hell was going on. That's true. Or you could just watch, like, the ending on YouTube or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> Although, truth be told, even if you were just to watch all the cutscenes from a Call of Duty campaign, probably still talking an hour or two hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not nothing. It's like a little mini-movie or something. So anyway, um, hopefully you guys got a chance to play and check it out and you had fun. Hopefully you guys got to check out RoboCop Rogue City before the demo mm-hmm. went down. Um, as it turns out, it wasn't even like the most popular um, demo from the Steam Next Fest. It was Enshrouded or whatever. Enshrouded, I think it's called. Sure. Ended up being the big game from the Steam Next Fest. I think yeah, Robo- I didn't. I didn't play that. I, I nothing really looked very interesting to me in the Next Fest this year. Yeah, RoboCop ended up being like the fifth most popular game. Yeah. In oh, well, RoboCop's demo came out before that started. Ah, uh, so, so maybe they didn't I think a lot of people had already done it. That could be. That could be. Anyway, hopefully you guys got in on that RoboCop demo because what we talked about and showed you in last week's show was just a slice of what that actual demo was. It was huge. So you'd really get a lot of play out of it if you wanted to. Um, are you excited to play the new Sonic, Matt? Sonic Superstars? No. No? I mean, it looks fine. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like 
You're talking to someone who thinks Sonic the Hedgehog peaked with Sonic the Hedgehog one. Yeah. So like it's. I don't. I think a lot of people would agree with you. Yeah. Honestly, fewer than you'd think. Most people say Sonic two. Um, I think Sonic two is exactly when it started to lose sight of what it w- should have been. A little bit, but I also feel like it paid off some of the stuff that I was that I was inspired the, by in the first one. Like the spin dash is a good ad, mm-hmm. but like I think you know, and I know people like. The thing about Sonic 1 is it's just a platformer. It is, Like, yeah. that first... The Green Hill Zone is a speed thing, but most of that game is hardcore platform. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I liked that. That was one of the only games... I remember I played that at my friend's house, because I didn't have a Genesis at the time. And I played it, uh, and he went to bed. Like, like, I slept over, and he went to sleep, and I kept playing, and I finished the game, and I started a new game immediately. Wow. At 3 in the morning. That's powerful. Like, I, was, like I, was, I have not done that very often, but Sonic the Hedgehog 1, I did. Yeah. And I've never really had that compulsion with any <laughs> of the others. And I think I think Sonic 3 and Sonic and & Knuckles are terrible. Yeah. I, I don't like... I don't like... They, they changed the art style. They changed the feel. They changed the, the philosophy. I didn't they like did. how that yeah. worked. The thing about 2D Sonics for me is that I get really excited for them, and then I play them, and they're over in like three or four hours. Like, they never last mm-hmm. very long. Uh, so it's always this big buildup, and then I actually play it, and I'm like, that's it. It's over. Well, that's the thing. It's like... Sonic Hedgehog 1 isn't like that. Right. Because you got to like work your way through. You yeah, know, yeah. you got to actually do you the work. You have to be thoughtful. Yeah. Bit, it's yeah. more like Mario. Well, it's like my wife, one of her favorite video game franchises is Sonic because she can just hold to the right in the right. recent games and he just does everything. And she just sits there and is like, oh, look how good I am. Like, yeah. just watching him whiz around the screen. Like, I think that's an appeal for casuals for Sonic. Some though. of it. But it's like, but let's be honest, most of the people that are talking about Sonic are the furthest thing from casual. That's true. Uh, yeah. Because the Sonic fandom is one of the most bizarre corners of <laughs> video games you can imagine. Yeah. Um, Next to the Undertale <laughs> community, which I discovered I would, when my the Undertale, nephew was here. To me, the Undertale community is just a like modern version of the Sonic. You know, it's just, you know, because look, Sonic fans are like, weirdly old yeah. at this point and well, yeah. for, for being this invested in cartoon Into a animals. game that yeah. <laughs> um, it looks like that, yeah. It's just, yeah, so it's... Mm, uh, and at least Undertale probably doesn't have quite so many furries. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, is there a lot of people want to fuck Sans? Is that a thing? <laughs> uh, it seems like they'll, they're just obsessed with I that mean, character. Probably, I guess. It's also, I don't get that character. It just doesn't, I'm just like, I could draw that character. God, there's probably just endless boning jokes, isn't there? <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah. I don't know much about the Undertale fandom other than that they're obsessive. <laughs> but like, Sonic, I think Sonic uh, beats him. And also Sonic beats him in the sense that... Um, Undertale fans don't need to worry about the next sequel over and over again the way that Sonic fans do that 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 circle of like oh maybe this one will be good the circle of hope and then it comes out and like <laughs> oh no it's it's all right and then then he realizes like, no it's actually not all right and yeah. then like oh Sonic Sonic we're done it's a, and then the next one gets announced and you're like well maybe this one will be good right. you know like the last good <laughs> Sonic game I mean actually I didn't mind the la- the previous one the, the I like Sonic one. Advance I thought it was pretty good oh the advanced ones are good I think uh, Generations was very good yeah uh, Sonic yeah. Colors was good yeah it was pretty good too um, yeah. uh, and I liked the last one I didn't think it was amazing but what was it I can't remember the name of it the 3D one yeah the, Sonic the, Frontiers Frontiers that's yeah. right I thought it was pretty good it was supported well afterwards yeah they um, just released the last DLC like last yeah. week for it yeah. Like th- people are saying it's like impossibly hard, which well, is interesting. Which is funny because like everyone's saying how it was too easy. Right. I think out. that maybe they overcorrected yeah. a little bit with the DLC. I don't know, if you've been playing Sonic Frontiers since launch, I think you can handle it. That's true. Yeah. yeah. You probably want something that's a little bit I more mean, challenging. I mean, the hardest Sonic stuff is really hard. Yeah, it's true. So. Yep. So anyway, we'll be talking about Sonic Superstars in next week's episode along with the new Mario and the new Spider-Man. What do you think about the Spider-Man reviews so far? Pretty much what we guessed. Yeah, High it's actually, eight, actually a little nines. higher than I thought. Yeah, you um, actually thought it was going to be like I eights. thought it would be more like 87, 88. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's right around what I thought the others have been. So it's at ninety one, I think. Last yeah, which is. Pretty closer. Cool. Still, I would still rate the first the first two higher than that. Yeah. Um, and maybe hopefully this one too. Yeah. I haven't really been paying a lot of attention just because I don't you know I'll, don't want to ruin it. We're about to play it. So. I mean, I don't really care about spoilers. But I'm not going to look for them. I did watch some of the videos where they were showing the fast travel thing, which is fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Like that is Insomniac or Wizards as always. Yeah. And I love the thing where like you know you, you pick another part of the map and you just hold the button and they, you just jump right into it. And people are like, well, that's a, they're, they're covering the load time with the holding the thing. And an Insomniac guy popped up. I was like. Uh, no, that's not covering that at all. They're covering nothing. There's no load there. Uh, it's literally there so you don't click the map and accidentally just jump to another part of the map. It's, oh. it's, it's, a, con- it's a confirmation hold. It's not a loading cover. There is no load time. It's covered. awesome that we have um, consoles where the loading is so fast that they, people would mm-hmm. assume that that's, that small amount of time is covering the loading. Like, Yeah, I mean, that's it would still be impressive if that was what was happening. Yeah. But he was like, he's the, the dev was like, if you, if you let go of the button, even when it's like three quarters of the way to the end, it will just jump right back to where you were. Oh, like it's not it's it's not covering any load time. Yeah. So big games coming here in the next seven days, but we got some good ones to talk with you guys about today. Uh, let's yeah. take a look at. Although, the chat. what was the what was the thing? Um, Chris Baker pointed out. I don't remember which review it was, but Chris Baker pointed out that one of the reviews. Their little blurb was that it was web crawlingly fantastic or something. Web crawlingly great, which doesn't mean anything. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> It really doesn't. That's not a, a, <laughs> That's not a thing. Also, he's the web crawling. He's the wall crawler right. or the web slinger. Slinger. Yeah, they're combining the two. <laughs> don't don't try to speak when you don't know what the, what <laughs> what the, the hell thing you're is. talking about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see a th- couple things before we get going. Uh, first of all, uh, we just got, I know I just mentioned this like a month ago that we were having like our. Twitch Prime numbers were in a free fall, and I'd ask like so you guys to like re-engage with it if you could. Well, we just got the next payout, and it was even worse than the one from a month <laughs> ago. So I don't know if you guys just are like to spite me. You guys aren't subscribing with Twitch Prime, but like we really need it. Literally, we just got paid out. It was the lowest we've ever had from Twitch Prime ever. Even the first month when we were trying to get people to figure it out, we got more than we just got. So. Mm. I don't know what I need to say to tell you guys to get to do it or convince you guys to do it, but we need that money. Like, it's not like, I don't know. I don't even know what to say anymore. Like, if I can't convince you guys to do something for free to help us, like, what can you do? Like, if you guys won't spend three seconds to help us for for free, like, I don't know what else I can say about it, Matt. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. (laughs) Like, we need the money. We're not getting the money anymore. And it doesn't seem like anything that I say makes a difference. And in fact, the last time I talked about it, less of you did it. So... I don't know what's going on. I don't know why you guys have decided that like a couple seconds of your time every month isn't worth helping us out, but we really need you guys to come to show up and like do Twitch Prime. Um, so if you're watching this, you're watching it on YouTube, you haven't done it for months, can you please? I know a bunch of you guys are turning on Adblocker watching Game Face as well on YouTube. Like, please, can you take three seconds to just go to twitch.tv slash games and click two buttons? That's all it is. I don't understand why it's so hard. And I don't want to ask or beg, but, like, we need the money. I'm just telling you, I'm not making this up. Like, without that, this all falls apart. So if you guys like Game Face, if you like Pactor Factor, spend the two seconds, man. I don't under- it's, it's It hurts my heart. I can't. It's so disheartening that you guys won't do it. I don't understand it. Like, are you doing it to spite me? I don't know. Like, it hurts. That's all I can say. When I saw that amount today, my heart, like, sunk. Like, I don't know. (laughs) 
the hell, man? I don't yeah. understand I think, it. I think part of it is a lot of people are not subscribing to Prime anymore. Maybe because the cost has gone cost up so has gone much. Through the it roof. really is. It, I will. And say I can't this. blame anybody for not wanting to give more money to Jeff Bezos. I agree. I agree with that. And I'll tell you what, I do understand that because the price of Amazon Prime is insane. Like I don't. It's like up to what, like a hundred and sixty a oh, year it's now. Nuts. It's nuts. And now they're gonna ask us for like three dollars a month to watch ad-free content on the Amazon. The YouTube Prime? thing that's been going on as well has been like. Yeah, great. Look, I mean, that, if you're one of those ridiculous. people who have not who have decided to not use Amazon Prime at a principle, I totally get it. I'm not talking to you, so I do understand that angle for sure. Because I'm also on the fringe of like, if, is this worth it now? It's, I mean, it's. it's do more, I ship that much stuff? It's it probably more than, still is it worth it. Has it tripled in price since almost, it started? Almost. It's, it's got to be close, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I do get that angle. I'm just telling you guys. I don't know what else I can say. Like, we need the money, and so. Mm-hmm. Please help. Like, I don't know what else to say anymore. It's very frustrating. And again, it just hurts. Like I feel like we're supplying an awesome show for you guys for free if you're watching it on YouTube. And I'm just like, come on, man. Help a brother out. We're all brothers here. We're all gamers. Um, I don't know. Again, I don't know what to say anymore about it. So I guess I should just move on. But anyway, let's take a look at chat because all these folks are hooking us up with Twitch Prime and are showing up and are buying subs in our chat and giving them to people in chat. Um, so let's maybe focus on the good stuff and the good people who are showing up and helping us out. And look at all these Twitch Prime folks today, which is great. Uh, B Martin thirty two twenty three, thank you. Who else also thanks people? Every single person that subscribes with Twitch Prime. Do do any other? Yeah, they do. They I don't do know about gaming do? podcasts. All the board game podcasts I do generally do. Costa Kip, Costa K Kip. See, I think this. I don't know how to pronounce it. Caustic IP maybe is what it is. Thank you. Hopefully I'm mm-hmm. pronouncing it correctly. If not, let me know. Uh, Tota Mish, thank you for Twitch Prime. Uh, the McWomble, thank you. Hope you're doing good. J Reed Vic Seven, thank you. Toast Nine, thank you. Look at all these rolling in. Uh, Jilt Thirty One, thank you for Twitch Prime. Um, maybe my diatribe got some people to do it today because there's well, more. These are now. all before that. Uh, uh, Talimper, thank you for Twitch for Twitch Prime. Um, Mersh, thank you for Twitch Prime. <laughs> Um, who else we got here? God of Gamblers, thank you. David5807, thank you. Um, OzzyBrit2000, thank you. GetUpKid1284, thank you. This is awesome. Uh, Nightmare452 says, I don't have Prime. Never Has never had Prime. Interesting. I mean, if you don't order enough stuff from Prime to warrant the free shipping being a savings at the end of the year, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, the, the truth is, is like, it still doesn't take that much, um shipping to cover the cost i mean that's the truth of it really mm-hmm. like if you buy one big item that almost covers like the whole 160 or whatever like the problem was it was such a great deal when it launched it's kind of like uber mm-hmm. like uber is still like a little bit cheaper than cabs but now you think uber sucks because when it first launched it was like a third of the cost mm-hmm. of cabs and now it's prices slowly crept up and like the same things happen with amazon prime well, that's the thing i mean we're seeing a lot of that all across every kind of tech sector right now where yeah, like the the pricing and the and the models are slowly sort of reconfiguring back to the pre tech disruption form. Mm-hmm. You're seeing that with you know basically streaming becoming cable. Yeah, you're seeing that with you know Uber and Lyft have to charge what what taxis do. Yeah, be because there's a reason those were the way they were. Yeah, you know like they, the, the pricing on that stuff wasn't just like that way because somebody decided hey that's what people will pay so we'll steal it from them mm-hmm. it was that way because that's what you need to charge to be sustainable yeah and 
Eventually, the, the disruption was because people were. Yeah, the disruption happens because everybody's throwing the VC money into stuff, and then mm -hmm. eventually you run out of your startup money, and you got to actually have a business, mm -hmm. and that's why you have to pay fifty dollars to go downtown with Uber now instead of the five dollars it cost to go to E three twenty sixteen. Yeah, you know, it's the other it's, thing that's gone up that I've noticed is the bird scooters. So, oh yeah, no. So when the bird scooters first launched, and if you guys don't know, those used to be like nickels. They were nothing. Nothing. The first time I yeah. rode a bird scooter, one of my buddies came into LA for a vacation with his family, and we went down to the beach, Santa Monica and Venice Beach, and rented scooters. We rode them up and down the beach all day, literally like twelve hours. When I finished, I owed like eighteen dollars. Mm -hmm. My sister, who came here with her nephew a couple months ago, we went down to try to do the same thing. First of all, you can't ride them on the beach anymore. The wheels lock if you get yeah. within two blocks of the beach. And they lock, and you have to push, pick them up and carry them to where they unlock. It's crazy. But anyway, we rode them for like two hours, and my bill was like $80. Mm -hmm. So those two have just now skyrocketed yeah. to the point where it's like they're not worth it anymore. Well, you remember like back in the day when like this street was just bird scooters everywhere? Like, you know, yeah. everywhere. There's yeah. A, like there were you every evening you'd have people driving through loading them up into their car to do the charging get paid for that one. That's not, all, gone. all gone. All yeah, gone. because they became so expensive that like people it's weird to see them. one now. It is especially out in this part of yeah. town. Like down by the beach, there's still tons of people yeah, that ride. Tourist stuff. There's tourists. A little more and, downtown sometimes, although yeah. mostly the ones downtown get destroyed if you yeah. leave them around too long. <laughs> Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, next is Six Baddie. Thank you for Twitch Prime. Mike's Q. Thank you for Twitch Prime. Hope you're doing good, fellow Central Pennsylvanian. Um, Mike's Q says taxis are still a huge racket. I agree. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. Um, yeah. My, MK Ness says everyone was racing to the bottom, trying to be the next big thing, and then once they have the mind share, then they increase the price to be sustainable. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty much how it happens. So because what you're really doing as the people starting that company is you want to sell that company yeah. to somebody else, get your money, and not have to worry about it anymore. Yeah, and you can't do that most until you're close to being profitable. Right, and mm. most well, some not always because sometimes early on, not anymore, but in the heyday, the big companies were too dumb. They're like, we want that, and we can't do it ourselves. So we're mm -hmm. going to acquire it now. We have it, yeah. and now the guy who started that knew he was never going to need to run that company as a sustainable business. He was going to offload it to a mega corporation that wanted that in its portfolio. Yeah. And so in that regard, you don't need to worry about the business model. You just need to make it hot. Yeah. You know, so then, somebody buys it. Because that's your goal if you're right. if you launch a company. And that, just by the, sell it and that, by it the way, is the model that the studios followed on the streaming services and didn't realize that that doesn't work when you intend to keep the service and have it somehow be sustainable, which is why all this, almost all the streaming services went up again in price this week. Yeah. And that's going to continue. Disney Plus still doesn't cost as much as it needs to cost to be You're right. some kind of revenue stream that could actually keep up with the residual payments they're going to need to pay after they finally settle the SAG strike. That's true. Yeah. Um, it's very, it's actually very, very funny. And yeah. There's a point at which all this stuff becomes so expensive. We're like, why don't we take all these streaming services? And I don't know bundle them all together and have a third party broker them to you uh, but what would we call that cable mm. <laughs> go cable yeah. after the thing we used to wrap them all together yep the bundle it's almost like there was a reason it worked that way yeah. mm. well we did get a few years of a good deal at least it's better than no yeah. years of a good deal but now you can't buy dvds no you're right so. we're actually going to talk about that in just a second uh Okay, so I've asked you about Twitch Prime, which would be awesome. However, if you are someone who really wants to support us over the long term, head to patreon.com slash sifted, S-I-F-T-D. Obviously, that's ideal because recurring revenue we can count on and we can plan around. So we appreciate anything you guys can do to help us. It all would be awesome. Uh, with that, it's time to get on with our housekeeping. Uh, we have a pretty big housekeeping today, but nothing gigantic. Um, the first story we're going to discuss is probably the biggest one. We've also talked about it like a million times, but it still is a landmark moment in the games industry. 
finally, Matt, the Activision Blizzard deal closed. It finally went through for good. Um, there's no turning back now. It's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, finally, what happened? Weirdly, everything feels about the same. <laughs> You're right, though. I mean, what really changed for any of us? Really nothing, honestly. Nope. Um, however, the kind of the big news this week that went along with them announcing that the deal had closed is that big games from Activision aren't hitting Game Pass until 2024. So people kind of hope the deal would go through just in time for the new Call of Duty to come out. Diablo 4 is already out there. People were kind of hoping, hey, maybe on day one, the Switch gets flipped and we have you know Diablo 4 sitting there. And then in a few weeks, we have the new Call of Duty, but that is not going to be the case. As Why anyone think- who understands how the world works knew, yeah, like it's that's too fast. Like they they the deal closed, but the actual like you know physical job of merging the companies and all their stuff is going to take a long, oh, long yeah. time. Oh yeah, just like figuring out what redundancies you have mm-hmm. and which departments you can cut from Activision or uh, most of the Activision executive wing. How about that? Well, the good news is Bobby Kotick announced that he is stepping down, mm-hmm. and the funny part was he wanted to step down more quickly. And Microsoft is asking him to stay around for like a couple months. Stay around in case you're liable for some shit. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, there's some accountability there, I'm sure. There might it's be. It's like, wait, we need we need to know where to reach you. Yeah. Dude, like, don't go to Aruba just yet. I mean, let's be honest. Most God people... knows what you're going to find under that rock. Yeah, that's you know? true. <laughs> let's be honest. Most people like us are not fans of Bobby Kotick, and we no. never really have been. Um, there also, Seamus Blackley shared yesterday that he had actually pitched a Guitar Hero to Bobby Kotick. Yeah. Years and years before it actually hit, and Bobby turned it down. And then later on, Bobby was like, oh, I changed my mind. Like, (laughs) that sounds like a good idea now. But anyway, Bobby Cott is going to stick around for a couple more months. I tend to agree with Matt that it's probably going to be something where um, they just want to make sure that they have all the uh, loose ends tied up and stuff like that before they let him go and kind of go on with his life. I wonder if he'll uh, retire or if he'll, he'll end up surfacing at some other gaming company. I mean, I don't know. I would imagine he he could surface at another corporation. I don't think he cares about gaming. Well, the other thing too is that he can never he'll never make as much money as he's making at Activision. No, now. well, because also everybody in the corporate world knows he's a fraud. Yeah, so pretty much, um, literally and figuratively, allegedly. <laughs> um, but uh, it's uh, yeah. I mean, the man has more money than God. Just go, yeah. The good news for him is go, he go is away fine. and <laughs> yeah. and leave us alone and enjoy your weird little life of whatever it is you think is fun he definitely has plenty of go away money to say the least so it's a done deal we're not going to see any sort of fruits of microsoft microsoft's labor really until next year obviously we've already seen a little bit of it with Mm -hmm. the other acquisitions we all if you're a game pass subscriber you got starfield even just for paperwork you probably want to wait until the new fiscal year yeah yeah but i would imagine we'll start to see some of that i think I know Hasbro is pushing very hard to get the Transformers games back on the market. Yeah. Um, because ha- Hasbro owns, that's the thing is like Hasbro owns those. Like yeah. they can do whatever they want. And mm-hmm. all the, you know, the two, the, but they just need, they needed Activision to basically cooperate because Activision holds the code and all yeah. that. So they want to br- bring those back. And I, they also wanted to bring the, the specifically the fall Cybertron and war for Cybertron ones, because those relate to the same story period that the animated movie coming out next mm-hmm. year is going to. And then there's a lot of people talking about Marvel 
wanting to poke at bringing back the old Spider-Man games and maybe the Marvel Ultimate Alliance stuff and all that, which would be a pretty big... I mean, people that demand for that. I don't know if you noticed, but the Marvel Ultimate Alliance stuff has never lost its luster, even they, though they keep putting it out and pulling it again. Yeah. I saw a code for the... the on, for a Steam code for the bundle of those two go for $500 <laughs> last month. Well, look, they put out that last one for Switch, and I probably played it for like 30 hours, so... Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Let's be honest. Like you can't, you cannot it's a formula. Tell, it's hard you cannot tell me that a remastered Spider-Man collection wouldn't sell. Yeah. I don't even care what you I mean. Yeah. Bundle the movie games, bundle the non-movie games, whatever the hell you want. You know what? I'll pay you I'll pay you 50 bucks for a Web of Shadows remake right now. Yeah. I suspect we'll see the majority of Activision's back catalog on Game Pass by like March or April of next year, like all the old stuff that will easily work on Xbox or PC. I, I think that'll be like kind of the big Q2 thing. I think, mm-hmm. I think because, you know, the I think the launch fiscal mm-hmm. with, like, look at all of the Activision stuff on Game Pass. Yeah. Right? Next year is going to be a great year for Xbox, just in mm-hmm. general. Like, you're going to see a lot of fruits of the labors coming to bear in uh, 2024. Not just with that, but with all the studios that Microsoft has bought. There's so many games that are in development already that we've been waiting for for a while. And we're about to talk about one of them here in a minute that we waited a long time for. Um, but anyway, uh, my guess is early, mid next year, you'll start to see a lot of this Activision stuff rolling into Game Pass, uh, which will be a huge boon for Microsoft in getting its, its uh, service um, into more hands because it does feel a little bit like Game Pass is stalled a little as far mm-hmm. as like gaining new. If, at least we haven't received any word from Microsoft saying, hey, look at this explosion of subscribers, which you would think they put out a press release if that were the case. Yeah, well, they're also trying to focus on the actual, they've actually got games to talk about yeah, now. So that's true. they don't need to push the subscription numbers as yeah, much. That's a good point. Um, um, so anyway, that's the, that's the deal. The deal went through. Um, big stuff hitting Game Pass next year, and Bobby Kotick is out. I'm sure there's a few people out there doing their happy dance right now hearing that news. Uh, next up, and this might be something that Matt and I care about a lot more than you guys. We're not going to talk about it all that much. But uh, someone that we've worked with for decades now, Matt, has left Bethesda, and that is Pete Hines. You guys may not even recognize or know who Pete Hines is, but I guarantee after you watch this B-roll, you'll be like, ah, that dude. But for Matt and I, it runs way deeper than that. He has basically been the head of PR at Bethesda for 24 years. I can't tell you how many times I went to Bethesda events and he was the guy coordinating the events and you get there and he's the one who's like walking you through all the games that are there. He was the one who did all the Q&As anytime Bethesda um, debuted something to the press. He was the guy who answered all the questions from the press. He was the guy who communicated with the press. He was the gatekeeper as far as review code from Bethesda. He was, to me, Matt, more than Todd Howard. He was Bethesda. As somebody who worked mm-hmm. in the industry, you worked with Pete Hines and yeah. talked to Pete Hines way more than anybody else at Bethesda. I mean, he's definitely the face of it for anyone outside the company. I would argue Todd is the guy who ma- generally the guy who makes those games what they are. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, Pete isn't a developer at all. Yeah. I mean, he understands development enough to work with the press, but he's not a developer himself. Um, but now you see him there. Like, I'm sure you see him. You're like, oh, yeah, I've seen that guy dozens and dozens mm-hmm. of times. He was always on stage at Bethesda's E3 press conferences. He usually was like the MC of the press conferences. He would go on Xbox's stage a lot of times if Todd couldn't do it to show off Bethesda's games at Xbox's press conference. Um and the thing about it, he's just a great dude. I feel like we say this all the time, Matt, when people move. Or we're always like, ah, what a great dude. They are. Mm-hmm. Like, all the OGs. If they're the- not a great dude, I'll let you know. Right. <laughs> Believe me, we will let you know. 
It is crazy, though, what a high percentage of people, OG games industry people, are amazing people. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Like, you it, you can think of, like, one or two of the bad ones because there are so few bad ones. But he was one of the good ones. He has been, it's been a pleasure and an honor to work with him for the last 20-some years. And basically what he said was, like, I just, he just felt like the launch of Starfield was a good exit point for him. My guess is... It's either that or stick around for six more years until Elder Scrolls Six comes right. out. Right. So. And my guess, too, is that he just got paid out big time. Some of that. But also, like, I think, you know, he has uh, clearly has a, a, a good idea of, of how long it's going to be till their next major project. And it's time to... Time to enjoy some life. Yeah. He's, he's, and he did yeah, say that, too. He's retiring. Yeah, he yeah. posted a big thing on Facebook. He posted a short thing on Twitter for everybody, but then on Facebook, it's like people that he just knows. Mm. He posted sort of a longer thing. And I'll tell you this much. Get ready for the same thing from Todd after Elder Six. Elder I have that feeling, too, man. Yeah. I've And, I mean, that'll make big waves for people because he affects the games. Yeah. Like, Pete... He worked with us behind the scenes, and he was kind of the front man for a lot of their press events and things like that. But Todd's the one who actually makes the games. And once he decides to leave, I don't know what'll happen, honestly. Like, because it doesn't feel I'm sure, like I'm sure he has protégés. It doesn't feel like there have been though. Like, because you don't know anything about the internal situation. Like, he's, I kind of do. He's just the face. Like, there's definitely people in there that understand Todd's philosophy on games. I will say this: I know the inner workings the, of Bethesda probably better than any other developer because i was really good friends with their head of pr tracy thompson and Mm -hmm. she would tell me things off the record that i couldn't report on or i couldn't share with you guys on the show but she would tell me what was going on behind the scenes all the Mm -hmm. time well he's got like six years but she left too like she left and went to ea like a year and a half or two years ago Mm -hmm. so she's not at bethesda anymore now peace left i promise even in elder Scrolls 7 your companion will still block the fucking door when you try to you mean win. Elder Scrolls 6? No, I mean 7. Oh. It's will be the first one he didn't miss. <laughs> oh, got you, got you. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. The tradition will continue. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so anyway, that's a big loss for Bethesda. It's a big loss. But, I mean, now that they've been assimilated into Microsoft, there's going to be somebody else who's going to take up that mantle. In fact, like the B-roll that we just showed you from the roundtable that they did when they were acquired by Microsoft, like some of the people in that, I have a feeling, will start taking his place in some of the stuff that he was doing going forward. So anyway, best of luck to Pete Hines going forward. I totally realize this is more Matt and I than you guys. Uh, but now that I think you saw him in the B-roll, you do remember who he is and that it's a big loss. So best of luck, Pete Hines, thank you for everything that you did for us. And the other thing, too, is that Bethesda has been a great supporter of Sifted. Like, we're smaller, and so it's been interesting to see, once I left the big gig where everybody wanted to work with us and then started something smaller, who the people were who still valued our coverage, and Bethesda is one of them. We still get all their games early, and a big part of that was Pete Hines and Tracy Thompson uh, making sure that before they left or while they were there that uh, their PR comp- their PR wing was help- was hooking us up. So uh, big thanks to Pete, and best of luck in your retirement. You have earned it, my friend. Uh, next up in housekeeping... This is a this is a really disappointing story, Matt, but not surprising at all. So the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam did a Pokemon exhibit where it was like Pokemon art, like in the style of Van Gogh. It was really cool. Uh, but one of the things that they did was that they had a limited edition Pokemon card that they were giving out. So if you paid... Um, rookie mistake. <laughs> so if you paid the money to get into the museum, which if I remember correctly when I was there, it was like $18, I mm-hmm. think. Or it was been... 10 years now since I've been there. Awesome museum, by the way. Try to go there if you can. Um, but anyway, if you paid your entry fee, they gave you the card. And of course, 
<laughs> once that got around the internet, next thing you know, there's like tons of man children hanging out outside the Van Gogh Museum trying to get the free cards because what was happening was those cards were selling for exorbitant rates on eBay. Mm-hmm. So basically, once again, the man children decided to ruin something that was designed for children because the whole idea was to get more kids into the Van Gogh Museum. Mm-hmm. They're like, kids don't come because it's Van Gogh. <laughs> And they're like, maybe if we do a Pokemon thing, we can get younger people into our museum. Instead, you get a bunch of man-children coming in there trying to make money off of your cards. So the it's Van Gogh the, Museum... Uh, it's the Szechuan sauce. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Van Gogh Museum had to stop the promotion because it got so bad. There were people fighting, pushing each other, yeah. arguing in line. The video is remarkable. That's, that's the Black Friday B-roll we've been missing for years now. I mean, Matt, I've seen video of like um, Target and Walmart when they get the packs in. Mm-hmm. And it's like they open the gates and the people run. Like I've seen videos of like grown adults pushing kids down and like mm-hmm. knocking them aside to try to get the box of uh, cards. I was there when the Episode 1 merchandise hit at Toys R Us at midnight. Yeah, same deal, kind of, I'm guessing. So this is just despicable. Like, (laughs) I just, I don't understand people anymore, Matt. It's like, why? It's like, is the money worth it? I guess it is to some people. They were selling for like over 100 at one point. So Which is, I mean, it's what, like 80 bucks profit. Is it worth like ruining? I mean, they were getting, these guys were getting 50, 60, 100 of them. Like they were, they were buying tons of tick entry tickets, not going in the museum and just getting the card because they knew that they could flip it and yeah. sell it and make eighty bucks off each one of yeah. them. Yeah, and that because that was it wasn't just that people were being assholes and rioting in the in the. It was also that none of the, no kids were getting the cards. Right, like the whole purpose was to to like, so why do it? Yeah, if you're just gonna make a bunch of yeah, if your objective rich, was to get younger people yeah. into your museum and instead you have a bunch of adults fighting each other for the cards. Like. And it was amazing to me where I was seeing people report on this and all the responses were like, well, how can we get the cards now? Yeah, it's just like. <laughs> Just remarkable. It really is. Uh, Stolte69, thank you for Twitch Prime. I saw you slid in there. Um, I <laughs> I just, people never cease to amaze me, Matt. Just when I think I've seen it all. And the older I get, the more I think that I've seen it all. And the more surprising it is when I realize that I have not. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't get it. Like, taking the joy away from kids to make 80 bucks, like, that just doesn't compute. But Einstein had it right. Yeah. Only two things in the only two things are infinite: the universe and human stupidity. And I'm not sure about the former. <laughs> there you go. So anyway, I think they have. They are. They're going to sell the cards now, some way through like an yeah, online retailer, some, some crap. Yeah. Like uh, the, one of the key things when it comes to Nintendo stuff, and probably specifically Pokemon stuff, but just you know, Nintendo fans in general are sort of um, like. Don't sell an exclusive thing at one particular geographic location. Yeah. Because they are going to descend on you like locusts. There's a little bit of naivete on the part yeah. of the museum. Like, I'm look, I'm not trying to absolve the adults from acting like five-year-olds, but truth be told, if they had done a little bit of research, like, if they had talked to the duck consulting agency, mm-hmm. we could have told them that this was going to happen. Yeah, you should have learned from the fucking Happy Meal thing. Right. Or... A bunch of other stuff that's happened with adults, yeah. but like Happy Meal thing was specifically po- Pokemon. It like, was, yeah. Like you, you have actual empirical evidence that Pokemon adult Pokemon fans cannot handle this shit. You're right. That's that's true. So I guess I would assign a little bit of culpability to the museum. They could have done it smarter. They could have done it better. Um, but at the same time, <laughs> they could have just limited it one per person. Yeah, I. One thing that really frustrates me... Maybe they me, did and it didn't matter. I don't know. One thing that really frustrates me, it seems like in our society lately, a lot of people try to blame the people who react to the jerk instead of the jerk. Mm-hmm. It's like the jerk does something jerky, and then instead of saying, oh, that jerk's caused all the problems, they always go after the people who react to what the jerk did. 
That drives me bonkers. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, if it weren't for the jerk, he started the dominoes. If it weren't for the jerk, none of the other stuff happens. Well, because but, nobody wants to take responsibility for what they've done, and it's even worse post-lockdown. It does seem As that. anyone who has been to a concert can tell you. That's true, which I was just at one on Saturday Was it night. worse than usual to you? It, 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 like, maybe not that crowd. The venue that I went to was like they didn't overbook it, mm-hmm. so it wasn't like it was cra- crowded and cramped mm-hmm. and hot and everything, and some woman poured a drink all the way down me. Wow. And then tried to tell me it was water. And I smelled it, and I'm like, that's vodka. And she goes, ha-ha, and, like, turned away from me. Yeah, that sounds about right. So there's stuff like that. Like I had, When I was at the same venue back uh, in June, I think it was, maybe it was May. I can't remember when I did that. But it was, um, uh, there was a there's a guy in front of me. Um, it, it, he wasn't in front of me. I was just standing watching the band. And in, in the last, like, third of the show, uh, people, guys kept, people kept, like, shuffling in between groups of people. I'm just like, mm-hmm. no, there's no room for another person here. And they just knock you out of the that way. That happened for sure. And people just butting um, in and making everybody stand like this. Yeah. <laughs> At one point, they, a bunch of them came in and, and they, like, they're filing in in front of me. And this other guy comes in, like, right in front of me and suddenly realizes he's, like, you know, an inch away from my nose and turns and sees me and sees the look on my face. And he just, like, goes back the other way. <laughs> So I was able to see uh, no one else around me. Um, but the it was like, like near the last third of the show, this guy comes in in front of with his, his little posse runs in and he pulls out a hand fan this big. Oh my god! And starts fanning himself, and so he's just fanning his bo at me behind oh. him. And, I, and I'm not gonna lie, it was hot, and the the breeze was nice, ignoring how he smelled. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, you couldn't see anything. I'm like, yeah. Do you understand that you are in public? Do you understand that you are not in your living room, you fucking assholes? Self-centered, like, yeah. The, self, the self-involvement is out of control out there. Yeah, it really is. Uh, so anyway, once again, a bunch of adults ruin something for kids. News at 11. <laughs> it seems like it happens every month for whatever reason. Um, so Matt hinted at this a little bit earlier. Another story from this week is that Best Buy is going to discontinue physical media and at Mm. first it seemed like it was just going to be cds um blu-rays and things like that but now things are starting to leak out that no 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 it's not just that they're also going to stop selling physical video games at best buy matt do you think this is the final nail in the coffin for physical media um i mean when walmart stops selling it then worry about it yeah it's still a pretty major thing it's i mean it's on the way down it's going away eventually like um, it's just that that whole aspect of it is more or less over. People don't collect those things anymore outside of particular enthusiasts. Best Buy is clearly going to shift to a model where it's basically a showroom for appliances. I wonder if we're going to. I think I think Best Buy is not long for this world. I agree with general. that. I also wonder if we're going to have a full circle moment where mm-hmm. right now everyone's using Walmart, Target, or Best Buy to go and try stuff. And then they go and buy it online and Amazon. Because it's cheaper. I'm wondering if we come full circle to where all the brick and mortar stores are gone and Amazon is like, we have to build a brick and mortar store so people mm-hmm. can try stuff out before they buy it on our, from they've, our store. They've already done that to some degree. Some a places. little bit, yeah. There are Amazon, actual physical Amazon retail locations in LA. Yeah. A few other places. I'm just wondering if that be, proliferates across the country and across the world eventually. Well, here's the thing. Amazon can do whatever the fuck they want. Really, it can. That's, that's, that's more money pretty than much the end of it. God, um, yeah. And uh, until you, now, you know, I, I will laugh pretty hard if Best Buy folds before GameStop. It's going to be possible. Close. It's going to be. It's, it's going to be, be photo real finish, close. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So what do you think happens to physical games? Do you think it just goes to where you can only buy the crazy collector's editions and that's it? Because I don't think those are going away. They make so much yeah, money I on I mean, those. a lot of, I mean, in some places, some ways, that is what's already happening with a lot of things. Yeah. Um, the, uh, well, now physical editions of some games are like a big deal. It's like you have these mm -hmm. smaller companies that are doing print runs, small print runs. Of yeah, like limited games. run game and things. Mm -hmm. game, like that's still a business model that'll function. But then you got like some people are very weird about it. Like I, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter saying that like they're not going to buy Alan Wake two because there's no physical version. Like one guy said that Alan Wake was in is in his top twenty games of all time, and he refuses to buy Alan Wake two because he can't buy it on disc. Out of principle. And I'm like. Out of stupidity yeah. is what that is. Because it's like, okay, first... Are you never going to play games again once and, they all but, go away? Especially because like, so many people are like citing resale value. And it's like, if you're busting your ass to get like 15 bucks back on a game you bought, like you got other problems. Yeah. And B, the thing I never really understand about that is like, that's the model that PC games have had for 20 years now. Steam basically made that happen on PC. Yeah. I don't remember the last time I got a physical copy of a PC game. Maybe The Witcher 3. Well, also it's dumb like, that every PC game you it, bought was a box this right. big and it had one little skinny CD I inside did, it. I did like the era where they kind of switched to the DVD case mm -hmm. models out of the snap case. That lasted that for like, like a couple years. That was like five about, years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. like... Has anyone lost their whole library because has any has any game not been preserved because you bought it on Steam instead of buying a disc somewhere? Mm -hmm. uh, hell, I know where most of my, I know where all my Steam games are. I lost some fucking disc games in a couple of moves. Yeah, like you haven't just, lost your Steam games. It just ain't that big a deal, <laughs> yeah. especially in an era where everything is only like the game you intend to play when it's got a day one patch on it. Yeah. Like I don't see the, the 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 I don't see the need for boycotting Alan Wake two if you loved the first one because you can't buy a Blu-ray of it. It doesn't make any sense to me. The funny part about it too is like if you've noticed. Also, I bet you there will be a limited run version probably. of it somewhere out there. Like, yeah. you know, it's too it's too prominent for one of those like smaller companies to not pick it up for something later. Well, it's interesting, too, like all the new apartment complexes in L.A., the apartments are like half the size of the apartment that I live in now because millennials and Gen Z, they don't have anything. Mm -hmm. Like I have these closets full of crap that I've collected throughout my entire life. Otherwise, like I don't have enough clothes to fill up all the closets in my apartment. They're filled with like collectibles and stuff that I've collected throughout the years. Millennials and Gen Z don't give a crap about that. So they're fine because they don't have the money for it. That's one. And two, they just don't really want to collect stuff anyway. So they a lot, of the, a lot of the ones apartments. I know do, they just can't afford it or don't have space. Yeah. Like that, that space is a problem, too. Well, it's like you just have a little hard drive sitting there that has all your stuff on it instead of having closets mm. full of crap. Like, I can see the appeal. I mean, I, I, haven't, I do not own a physical Xbox Series X game. I own one. I have Halo Infinite. Actually, I guess I have a, I guess I have a technically I have a physical copy of Starfield. But it's really just a code. Is there right. no disc it's not even there. really. It looks like a physical yeah. game, but it's not. There's a steel book in there, but there's no yeah. disc in it. So when do you think we'll get to this point where Best Buy is gone, GameStop is gone, and physical games are almost impossible to find for like I don't know weekly releases? Um, I mean, the legacy says limited runs. Said Walmart stops selling Xbox games next year. Mm. Um, I'd say you got about three years. That's what it seems like. Yep, not much longer. And I will be one. I don't know which one. Maybe probably Sony. One of the ne the next gen systems will not have a disc drive. Yeah, which one's going to be brave enough to do it? I think it'll be PlayStation. Yeah, I mean, uh, they they live and die on single player games, though. Doesn't matter. Yeah, they're already making them without the disc drive. That's true. Yeah. They're already moving in that direction. Yeah, and, and actually, remember, they moved that direction and remember, before Microsoft. Actually. And remember, they own, they co own the patent on the Blu-ray. 
Yeah. They know whether that revenue stream is worth more than selling anyone. hardware for. It's true. Yep, you're right. So, so anyway, it looks like the end is nigh, folks. If you're big physical game collectors, and I look, I'll be honest with you, I still buy physical. Like I just do. Um, I am coming around. I'll put it to you that way. Like if it, this happens in three years, I'm not going to be devastated over it. Um, but it's just there's nobody like me anymore. Even you're not like me anymore. No, nope. you know. So I am really like I'm on I'm a, on an island. As somebody who prefers to buy physical stuff. And if you're like me, you're on an island as well. It's you and I hanging out drinking margaritas. But, yeah, it looks like in a few years that stuff is all going away. Hanging out drinking margaritas because you don't have any games to play. Yeah. <laughs> Mike's Q says, I still share my PS3, 4, and 5 discs, and my bro and I swap Switch games all the time. We are not ready for the all-digital game. I get it, man. And there's a lot of families that are going to be like that, you know. Um, or just kids who are like, when I grew up, like, I had a Super Nintendo. My best friend had a Genesis. And we just shared all the time the games the systems whatever um all that stuff comes to an end but i don't feel like people care about that stuff anymore no they just don't no nope. yeah i'd uh, they'd rather have convenience or not having to clutter things up or all that it's yeah yeah um fire native says matt remember when they said uh, going all digital would make games cheaper no yeah. i don't they, they never said that we thought they would because you no longer had the cost of the retail oh, a bunch of costs but production but walmart walmart stopped that yeah that was the thing. I mean, that was originally the plan, and but then the retailers said, like, if you do that, why would anyone buy them from us? And it's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the um, point. <laughs> but then that's so that's had to stay within parity. But they're never, you know, if the retail wing goes away, that's not going to drop costs on digital because they know we'll pay mm-hmm. the cost. Although you could argue that really they should cost more than they do. So paying what we that still is probably cheaper than they should be yeah um Cinetite for the triple a stuff who eats the cost for the huge volume of physical games that just keep sitting on shelves um it's so actually someone's asked Pactor that before um the the retailers can send the games back yeah. to the publisher believe it or not like if they don't sell you can, you can, you can return to the distributor and the distributor has a method of kind getting of credits back credits from back publisher. from the publisher yeah, yeah. so they actually and return get, them and then they either get destroyed or just, just sit somewhere and sit, wait to sell yeah. them for five bucks or whatever or uh, as in the case of that box full of of uh, majora's mask uh, yeah. cartridges <laughs> get sold for hundreds Boo-boo of dollars bucks each. years and years later yeah uh, let's see if anyone else has something to share about this stuff. Uh, the Legacy already mentioned his comment. Um, and Cinetype just asked his question twice. Mike's Q is mad about it because he gets all his UHDs from Best Buy and the, the quality on them is much better than streaming, which is true. Like, I do still buy uh, the 4K discs of movies I really, really love. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, it is visibly, visibly better. and streaming will never match that probably until we have unimaginably larger pipelines or figure out the (laughs) figure out how to break the speed of light yeah Yeah. it's just uh yeah it's it's noticeable usually i mean streaming quality is fine for most things if you're just gonna watch a movie but if you're gonna watch one of your favorites you want you have a a system that supports it yeah nothing beats an actual disc oh no doubt about it um silk Snake, sneaky! Did you get ba- did your old account get banned? <laughs> Where's your old user? Your screen name, sneaky Charlotte Snake. Your silk snake now. What did you do? You did something on somebody else's stream and got yourself banned and had to start another account. But he says uh, today proved how superior physical is. I already have Spidey two and I'm playing it all day. Digital buyers have it locked till Friday. Unpatched, of course. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. There are. I mean, there's 
undeniable that there's advantages to physical media. There just it just is. Yeah, but consider. I mean, I think the last time I found a physical copy that had broken street date was Last of Us Two. Mm-hmm. So not really benefiting me often enough to uh, yeah maintain an entire industry around yeah, it. It's true. Yep. Um, and I think that's it. That's all the comments you guys have on physical versus digital media. And that makes sense because most people are totally okay with buying their games digital. If you notice, there was like a couple people in our chat that are like, hey, I'm like Shane. And that's it. There just aren't that many left like us, unfortunately. Uh, Next up, I have to hand it to Remedy because we have managed to talk about Alan Wake 2 in the housekeeping of Game Face for like the last six weeks straight. They are dripping out information about that game at the perfect pace to make sure we keep talking about it on this show so that you guys know it's coming out here actually now in like a a week or a half or like two weeks it's coming out um but the news this week is that alan wake 2 will get significant paid and free post-launch support in the form of dlc does this surprise you at all matt no remedy usually supports their stuff i actually don't remember how it has done things in the Control past. Control got two huge DLC things. I guess you're right. Yeah, they did do a good job of supporting that post-launch. It also kind of became this weird benchmark game for, like, yeah, Digital for Foundry. R- early ray tracing benchmark, yeah. There's also one section in Control that buckles every system, and, like, Digital Foundry is waiting to, like, get that graphics mm-hmm. card that can actually run it at, like, a de- decent frame rate. So, anyway... A little bit of a tangent here. But it does sound like if you do invest your money into Alan Wake 2 later on this month, and actually in just like a week or two, um, you're going to get significant post-launch support. That is not really the case for a lot of single-player-focused games, unfortunately. Even some of the very best ones, like PlayStation. Like, a lot of times we'll get one DLC pack for a PlayStation-exclusive game. Oh, they're usually pretty substantial. I mean, I would say like the Frozen Wild or... Um, the Tsushima one or the, I can't remember the name of the Los Angeles one for, for Forbidden West. Like, those have all been at least as much as Control got mm-hmm. put together. You mean that their one pack is as big as the yeah. two Control packs put together? Yeah. yeah I, I mean, mean would they... I get what I want more? Absolutely. But, like, the, those, like, those are almost, like, half a game. Yeah. Well, you think about, like, The Last of Us Part 2 didn't really get anything significant. No, but what can you do with that? Though? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's probably what Factions was going to be, and then all that went yeah. where it went. You know, it's like the the problem with Naughty Dog in that regard is, like, the stories in those games are such tight, you know, planned things. Like, yeah. You can't just, like, randomly bloat them out with DLC or whatever, and nobody really cares about some kind of, like, challenge mode or whatever, like... Like, the closest you can get is doing something like Lost Legacy, which ended up becoming its own product. That's that's what I was getting at. Like, even with Uncharted, they ended up just releasing a separate game. Like, it wasn't even DLC. Uh, So a lot of the big single-player games don't end up getting a lot of story-based DLC. So I guess this would probably put Alan Wake above the pack as far as that's concerned. But, of course, you have to enjoy the base game. Um first or, or they, do the, the or they do the dlc thing where it changes the base game up so completely that you don't even really like what you're playing anymore yeah it's true um which has happened a couple of times yeah not to, not to them but. yeah uh, but anyway if you are interested in alan wake and again it looks like it's going to be the best horror game for halloween this year um a lot of other games got out of october at the last minute there's a lot of indie horror games that are coming out here in the next like week or two but the only real big sort of triple i game that's coming mm-hmm. out that's going to satiate your thirst for horror around Halloween. It looks like it's going to be Alan Wake 2. Or at least pointing flashlights at things. Yeah. 
<laughs> Although I'm glad that they did turn tone down the whole flashlight thing. It's not like a gameplay mechanic like it was before in the last game where you mm. like like stun the ghost yeah, with the that, flashlight. That, and like, that got old pretty fast. I mean, it was basically just like a Luigi's Mansion for older players when it mm. came came down to it. But all that's gone now. It's just more of a, a more of a uh, straight over the shoulder. Survival horror third-person shooter, as you probably got the gist of looking at this B-roll that we just yeah, showed you. Yeah, Abram, I don't know if I'd qual- uh, qu- quantify Mario Wonder as a horror game. What? But uh, it is also a big game coming Vincent out. does bring up a good point, though. On Halloween, there is this weird Silent Hill interactive TV series that's, go- that's coming out. Where you make the, you and the crowd make decisions as you watch. It's going to be in browser and on both iOS and Android phones. And that comes out literally on Halloween, on the 31st. They just announced the release date for that this morning. It's on Sifted right now. Um, so that is something else to kind of look forward to. Are you into that kind of stuff, Matt? Oh, what? The, that thing? No. I... That, like, those kind of like interactive shows where everybody votes on the decisions and like. Yeah, I don't. I. I... I don't think the audience should get to have any say in anything. So. <laughs> it's probably for the best if they just keep their noses out of it. Uh, but yeah, to Vincent's point, that does launch on Halloween, but it's not really a video game per se. Um, the Abram says he was joking, by the way. Alan Wake did not come way before Luigi's Mansion. No, Luigi's Mansion was 2000, 2001. Well, GameCube was 2001, so it would have been launch game, right? 2001. Well, it was yeah. Japan 2000. And then, was it a staggered launch for GameCube? I don't remember actually. Mm, I can't remember. Yeah, I don't think so. I think no, it was worldwide. It was, it was closer day than day. that, I think. But um, point being, Luigi's Mansion is from like 2001, and Alan yeah. Wake's from what 2008 or nine. It was 360, so yeah. somewhere in there. Somewhere in there. Yeah, it was Luigi's Mansion was before Alan Wake for sure. Um, Slagathor says came way before Luigi's Mansion. That's can't be. Nope. Yeah, I don't know where you're getting that from, bro. Uh, so anyway, it does look like Alan Wake 2, if you're into it and you're into survival horror, it looks like it, it could ultimately um, validate a full price purchase with all the DLC that comes after. And again, don't forget that I said that some of it's going to be free. It's not all going to be paid. Uh, next up, a game from the past, a blast from the past, Matt. Lollipop Chainsaw. What do you remember about this game when it came out? I remember interviewing James Gunn. And I remember thinking it wasn't a very good game. <laughs> and that's about it. This game was made by James Gunn. Believe it or not. You guys all know who James Gunn is now. He's part yeah. of, well, was a part of the MCU. Now they're trying to get him to save the DCU, right? Yeah, well, he's, he's in charge of the DCU. Is he the head of all of that now? He is the Kevin Feige of the DC movies now. Do you think it's going to work? I think he will make a good Superman movie. Yeah. Uh, after that, I don't know how you keep the momentum going, but he's going to try. I don't think it could get any worse. No, Honestly. probably not. Um, <laughs> Zack Snyder is a hard act to top when it comes to terrible. Yeah. But uh, here we are. Yeah. Um, he will make a Superman movie that is probably the first good Superman movie since Superman 2. Yeah. From like um, the 80s. But beyond was that. The 70s. But, but beyond, that was 1980, 80, 81? It was close. It was right, I knew it was right around the turn. Yeah. It was 80. Because they shot Superman 1 and 2 basically at the same time. Mm-hmm. And one was 78, so yeah, 80, 80 was Superman 2. Um, the, uh, so Superman Legacy, I'm sure, will be... I mean, the man who gave us the Guardians trilogy and the Guardians holiday special has a good Superman movie in him. I have yeah. no doubt about that whatsoever. The problem is, after that, you have to make uh, audiences care about DC characters, and that's a challenge. Um, yeah. I don't know what you do there, because it's just not really... And, and, Superman and Superman, Batman and Wonder Woman, obviously the, the Holy Trinity, but uh, 
beyond that, like, you know, it's very hard to get people interested in things unless you're making actually good movies that have some humanity to them, which I think yeah. Blue Beetle did. Yeah. But the, the, the fact that Warner Brothers decided to push uh, Flash instead of Blue Beetle this summer for their one big bet is uh, sort of an indication that uh, they definitely need the help. So maybe James Gunn will be able to uh, introduce some sanity over there i'm hoping they give him and they they uh, hopefully they hired him to be like okay do whatever you think needs to be done <laughs> game well if you can't tell by watching his b-roll james gunn used to be a different person <laughs> like, oh i think he's still the same person you think he's, he's still like this he's, he's still the guy who came out of trauma yeah yeah he's, he's a i mean james gunn cut his teeth doing schlock i've worked with james gunn for like two or three years he never forgets where he came from uh i i, I think that's an admirable thing about him he um so he did this game and then i worked with him when i worked at spike tv and spike.com he was doing a video series called pg porn and we signed his mm-hmm. video series exclusively, and it was gigantic. It was basically a, a, a video short series. That la- each episode lasted like three or four minutes, where the whole concept of it was it's shot like a porn, it looks like a porn, it sounds like a porn, but when it comes time for them to actually have sex, something crazy would happen to keep it from happening. Mm-hmm. And that was the whole concept behind PG porn. It was gigantic. Like, we would put it up an episode, it would do like three or four million views in like two days. Like, and that was back before YouTube was gigantic or whatever. And then because of that, we had that partnership. I actually went with him to Vegas to shoot AVN, which is the adult video network. Like, basically, it's a porn convention that happens mm-hmm. at the same time as CES every year. Oh, yeah. We had to do that. Well, I mean, I wasn't personally involved in that, but that was a big thing for G4 every year, even though they wouldn't air any of it. Yeah. Well, we did. Unblurred. But I worked with him for two days. He was a talent and I was a producer. And, like, I got to know James Gunn very, very well. And, like, it's interesting, one, just to see his success because I knew he was talented when I was working with him. I never dreamed he was going to become as big as he has. Mm. But the other thing, too, is just the content. Like, this is what he used to do. Stuff like Lollipop Chainsaw. He's obviously evolved and moved on from this kind of stuff. And to your point, Matt, you're right. This game wasn't that great. But there was really nothing else like it at the time, either. There still wasn't anything else like it, really. I mean, it's basically a sexploitation version of No No More Heroes. Yeah, that's um, a good way to put it. Except it doesn't play as well. Yeah. Um... And it's not as funny. Yeah. Well, the, the, the idea, we had gotten news about two months ago that they were going to remake this, that they were going to completely gut it and redo it from the ground up. Obviously, with the, I don't know, the way things have changed since this game came out, I don't know how you could make it without changing the, the content at least a little bit, but... I mean, you'd have to at least give her pants. Right. Right? Yeah. And maybe make the combo system more than just that. Yeah, because you're right. There's like five different attacks that you can it's, do. In the it's game. a very boring game. It really is. Ultimately, it is boring. It's very repetitive and whatever. So, what we found out yesterday. And like, it's not as. The thing about it is, like, it's not as wacky and sexy and violent as it wants you to think it is. Right. It's, it's just a boring game. Like, it feels like, it feels like <laughs> nobody told the people who made the cutscenes what the content of the actual game was. Yeah. Um, I mean, some of it's just like, oh, what if Buffy the Vampire Slayer was an R rated, like, you know, softcore movie kind mm-hmm. of thing, but like it's mostly just silly. It um, is silly. And now they've they've said that instead of remaking it, they're just going to remaster it. Well, it sounds more like somebody <laughs> came to their senses, or they're like, I mean, the the right call is to just cancel it. 
Well, yeah, but I mean, I think if you're gonna if you're intent on doing this one way or the other, I think it's gonna go the cheaper route, remaster it as opposed to remaking it from the ground up. <laughs> that shot right there, where she just slowly bends over, so mm-hmm. you get like the upskirt shot. That's totally James Gunn right there. Um, the Abram is asking like, what was his involvement with the game? Like everything pretty much he was he did a lot of um scenarios scenario stuff i think he did some of the writing and characters and he made his 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 idea basically yeah yeah to have this cheerleader killing zombies with a chainsaw basically and that if you if you've ever met him that's the type of stuff he talks about when you're just hanging out he's like what if we did and you're just like okay that seems dumb (laughs) but yeah you want to you want to combine him with um What's the what if it snowed in San Francisco guy? Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I forgot about that guy. The the pro skier. What was his name? The snowboarder guy. Oh um, no, he's a skier. Was a skier? He was like the oh, trick right. skier. Uh, Johnny Mosley. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny Mosley's mad tricks. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's right. was. <laughs> yeah. And a few so. years later, it did snow in San Francisco, and it turns out what happens is people ride cardboard boxes down the hills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is not as cool as mad tricks, but it is pretty cool. Yeah. So anyway, if you're a regular on Sifted, I'm sure you saw the story about this being revived. But unfortunately, as it turns out, it's just going to be a remaster. It's just going to be this game again that looks a little better and probably runs at 1080p instead of 720p. That seems to be mm-hmm. the recipe for that type of stuff. So if you're excited about that, you might want to put it on the back burner. It doesn't sound like it's going to be something worth checking out. I would actually be interested in it if they had actually reworked it and really redone the whole game and figured out a different angle on it. But I think some things are best left Un, <laughs> unmastered. Yep. So anyway, Lollipop Chainsaw is going to be a remaster and uh, not a remake. Next up, a at story. the very least, I'm sure they'll get like coverage. Yeah. Ever, you know, there'll be people that are going to be outraged by it, and people that are going to be like, "Remember when games were good and you could see <laughs> boobs all the time?" And they got people like us that are like, "That game sucked. Why does anyone give a shit whether anything is happening?" So it's, yeah. it's it's a perfect perfect storm of. Uh, undeserved publicity. It's true. It's a good way to put it. Uh, next up, a story that got a good bit of traction on Sifted this week. Uh, Sega shared that Like a Dragon Gaiden will launch without any English dub. What do you? Th- th- my guess is people I'm, who like Yakuza or Like a Dragon are like, well, that doesn't matter because no. I never use the English dub anyway. Like, I, if I'm honest, like it's news to me that there are dubs in these games. <laughs> oh really? Because you would never even I've think ne- about it. Never even occurred to me. Like the only Yakuza game I've played with a dub is Yakuza One, because the r- original release of Yakuza One on the PS2 only had an English dub, mm-hmm. including Mark Hamill. Yeah. Um. But I mean, which is pretty. It was a decent dub for what it was. But I mean, if there's any game that you should play in the original Japanese, it's these. Yeah. What Just about in general? Do you use English dubs when you play games from Japan? Usually, I yeah, do. Generally, I mean, I. What, how many games do I play from Japan anymore? Really? Not as many as we used to, that's I mean, for sure. I mean, it's like, what, the Resident Evils is not like, you know, English is the default. Yeah. Like, um, Nintendo stuff doesn't usually have a dub worth mentioning. Right, yeah. Um, but just a like reminder, Final, Final by the Fantasy, way, this is a throwback-style game. This is like yeah. the old... Final Fantasy Yakuza sixteen games. I played in English. But I think mm-hmm. they wanted you to play that in English. It seemed like it, yeah. Um, I think most. Of, I think Square wants you to play their games in English. Yeah, I agree. Uh, over, over here, yeah. Um, yeah, just I, look, man. The guy who does uh, uh, Kazuma in this series is so good that it would never occur to me to want another voice actor playing him. Yeah, like it seems like that was the sentiment on Sifted as well. Most people were like, "I would never yeah. use English dubs." I mean, in this that's franchise that's anyway. what that character sounds like. Yeah, I mean, another voice coming out of that character model sounds wrong to me. Yeah. 
Um, and I'm I, would feel they, the, I would feel the same if they recast the Japanese actor, too. Yeah. Like, as long as there's subtitles, I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. And all games have subtitles now, so, you know, it's not really an mm-hmm. issue anymore. I do feel like casual players, though. First of all, I don't think casual players will have any interest in this game. But if they did, I do think most casual players would be like, I want to hear it in English. But they're not the ones who are going to buy mm-hmm. this game, for sure. Yeah. Um, it's mostly Otaku who's into the Yakuza franchise. And Although, I mean, it has to be more than that because they sell too much yeah. to, to just be that. Yeah. But I think if, I mean, there's only been like one or two that had English dubs. So, like, if you're into it, you're... You're, go, you're okay with it. And they probably have the data anyway that tells them what percentage of yeah. people even turns on the English dubs and they're like, it's just not worth it. I probably. mean, I'm sure the dubs are fine, but it's just like, why? 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 Well, especially as something that's just so Japanese. Yeah, like yeah. It's, like, it's so Japanese. It's set in Japan. Everyone in it is Japanese. Like, it, I couldn't it, imagine watching a Mikkei film like I would, with an English dub. Like, I would find it less <laughs> immersive to sure. play it in English. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. So... Anyway, just a little bit out of the ordinary for a Japanese game. They're not even offered at launch. I think they are going to offer it later. They say it's going to come in later, yeah. yeah. And by then, like the casual people will be long gone, and then it will be there for people who don't really want it anyway, but at least the option will be there eventually. Uh, so anyway, like a Dragon Gaiden, no English dub at launch for those of you that care. Uh, that is a fascinating hold there. What? Uh, Mike's Q tried to say, remember Arnold Schwarzenegger was not allowed to do the German voice for his character in The Terminator, as was deemed the ro- too rural of an accent. They didn't want a future robot to sound like an Austrian hillbilly. <laughs> and the, the message has been held for bullying. Wait and a the, minute. And the they hi- held it for and robot the, and, and the hillbilly. Highlighted, the highlighted words are robot and hillbilly. <laughs> Mike's Q, I'm going to allow your chat message right now. Or wait, Vincent, Vincent already did it. All right. But I'm like, <laughs> I, the fact that robot was one of the bully words is yeah. fascinating to me. Yeah. Ready How Rock does Steady. that work? Yeah. Ready Rock Steady, thank you for gifting uh, Tier 1 subs to people in our chat, man. That's awesome. Uh, by the way, now you can watch Pactor Factor a week early if you just got a sub from him. It's on our channel at twitch.tv slash siftedgames. Um, Silk Snake asked, he did, did he ever respond about his username, by the way? He said it's the same account, but he switched it uh, for work. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, for no one du- believed him. <laughs> okay. Uh, for English dubs, do you think it'd be better if they used Asian actors with accents? I find it odd seeing Japanese faces with America or European accents. I can understand that perspective. Yeah, I mean, that has happened sometimes. Um, I think some people might find it distasteful, though, to do in that. In some places, but it's like, really, like, even back in the day, like, a lot of the early Godzilla dubs were dubbed by Asian actors. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and some of them had accents, some of them didn't. Yeah. Uh, George Takei's first like Hollywood job was dubbing a character in the English dub of uh, Godzilla raids again, which we know is Gigantus, the fire monster, mm-hmm. the second Godzilla movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's really necessary. Yeah. Um, that might be going a little too far. Maybe I would argue that in a game like Yakuza, I would, if I were casting, I would want to cast all, all Japanese actors. I would cast, I would cast actors appropriate to, I mean, there's not just Japanese people in those games. There's yeah. Americans and Chinese. And mm-hmm. I would cast, uh, you know, ethnically appropriate actors. Like, I don't think you, in 2023, you want white people voicing Asian characters. And you don't have to. Characters. The there's networking no is that. there to find yeah. the people. And yeah. There's plenty of Asian actors out there, voice actors ready, ready to do that and able to do it, so do it. Yeah, I agree. Accent or no accent, it doesn't matter. Yep. Uh, you may remember, moving on, um, a first per- a free-to-play first-person shooter from Ubisoft that we covered a few months ago. It's a game called X Defiant. And I had played Ubisoft's prior attempt at a free-to-play shooter, which was called, what, Hyperscape, I think it was. 
It had the crazy verticality, yeah. like up on the top of the skyscrapers. That, a, yeah, almost like a dodgeball kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, that lasted like six months before it folded. Is that roller derby thing still going? It is still up. Mm. Yeah, they haven't taken it down yet. Um, so that didn't work, and Ubisoft was like, okay, well, let's go the more traditional sort. I wouldn't call this a Call of Duty game, but it is certainly more close to Call of Duty than Hyperscape was. It's a more traditional uh, first-person shooter. And it, again, it is free-to-play. Mm-hmm. I had a good bit of fun when I was playing it, and I was kind of impressed. I was like, this is way better than Hyperscape. Like, Is this the one where it's like got different characters from the different UB franchises, not that you'd ever know because they all look the same? Yep. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> but they also weren't like the big characters, really. No, it's franchise. not like you're going to be like, hey, it's that guy from The Division. What? Yeah. Who? Who? <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, unfortunately, this game has been delayed indefinitely. And it's really weird. Like, if you go and look for the coverage of this, almost everybody was positive on this game. Like, Big Dave Lazard says, where's Sleeping Dogs 2? They cast Asian actors. Sleeping Dogs 2 is in the Activision catalog. It is, yeah. N- actually, no, it's not. True Crime is. Oh, Sleeping Dogs was originally Street of gonna- LA. <laughs> yeah. So I think Microsoft could theoretically take the True Crime IP and do an, a spiritual successor to Sleeping Dogs. That would be what I would want to do if I were... Yeah. In charge of Microsoft now. That would be smart. Yep. So anyway, I was impressed by this shooter. If you look around at coverage that everyone else did, everybody was impressed with it. Everyone was like, finally, Ubisoft has figured it out. Mm-hmm. It has a free-to-play shooter that has a chance. And I played this for like dozens of hours one week. Yeah. Part of the problem is that watching the B-roll of this, the time you did talk about it, made me want to start reading a book on my phone. Oh, really? Like, it does not make a good impression Interesting. I'm sure it's more fun to play, but like I look at this and it looks like the most generic thing I've ever fucking seen. Yeah. I mean, it does lack a personality, but when Ubisoft tried to create a shooter with a personality, it bombed. <laughs> well, the, the Hyperscape's personality sucks. Yeah. So maybe a, right in the middle in there somewhere. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Ubisoft has worked on this for years. And again, the response from most of the press was positive, And it's just basically delayed it indefinitely i have no idea what could have happened with this game like again it was in like early access for months and months and it's just very out of the ordinary for this to happen for well, a game it failed some kind of thing didn't it um are you thinking like, about it didn't, it didn't second extinction maybe no it didn't get certified or something Is it, i thought that was second extinction that dinosaur know. shooter that we covered also that was just canceled by the way before it came out of early access i don't know what that is it was a cooperative dinosaur shooter that we covered probably like six months ago something like that really? but they i played it yeah but oh. they canceled it like the team that was working on it said that we're too small we can't fix I mean, because they failed co-op dinosaur shooters are coming out this year yeah. <laughs> well they did fail they failed um valve certification and the mm. notes that valve sent back to them they're like we don't have the team to be able to fix that and so they just had mm. to just cancel the game that's really just. I thought. I mean, I don't think I remembered that. Th- I saw something about a defiant thing failing some kind of certification. I don't. I didn't care because I didn't recognize. I didn't remember that that was what this was. Yeah. I thought it was just some random game. Or Eve Demon says Exo Primal came out. Exo Primal is a different game from Second Extinction. Yeah, that's the other dinosaur shooter. I was. I'm right. Like, Wait, there's more than one of those things. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. was Capcom's game. Yeah. Which actually was kind of fun, but yeah. didn't have a lot of staying power, unfortunately. Um, it was so, fine. So anyway, this game X Defiant, I really thought it had a future. And I, so I'm not sure what exactly happened to it, but it's not coming out now for the foreseeable future. We'll see what happens with it, and we'll give you updates on it as soon as we get Delayed it. Delayed in X Defiantly. Yeah. But I was really surprised to hear that. And then the Maybe final... Ubisoft's just tired of throwing money in a hole. Make some fucking single-player shit. Like, because Mirage is selling really well. It sounds like it is, yeah. 
Yeah. It sold as well as Valhalla its first few days on the market. That's crazy. In Europe, which is crazy. You're right. Yeah, I'm surprised. I would not have thought that would that would occur. Me either. Me either. But I guess the whole concept of the throwback is something that appeals to people. I think Assassin's Creed as a brand just has cachet. It still does. Yeah. Even after all this time and after all these... And it took a year off. Frankly, after all these errors. I mean, yeah, it took three years off. Yeah. And still, the game's still there. Everybody knows Assassin's Creed. Yep. So anyway, um, you may be right. Maybe Ubisoft is like, let's just stay in our lane and be like, we're good at making single player stuff. We're not good at multiplayer shooters. Like, I mean, I'm very on board with that. Obviously, they have their anomaly, which is Rainbow Six Siege, which is huge. Right, but that's still going. They've got that. It's but like that you, also, to your point, is unique. It's right. a tactical shooter, which yeah. there don't exist anymore. Yeah, there is no comparison to anything. Like, you can't yeah. like replace Rainbow Six Siege with another one of those nope. games of service games because no one else really does that. But you're right. Looking at X Defiant, you watch it. It's like... This could be one of like 10 different shooters. Yep. It really could. And again, the game as a service fad is kind of over, and yeah. the pieces of that pie are claimed. Yeah. And it's probably time to move on. Yeah, it probably is. So, anyway, if you were excited for X Defiant, you, you might Ubisoft just do a wet blanket on your hype. Um, and then the final story for our housekeeping for this week's episode is that. Now that Netflix has games on its servers, you can literally just now, go Vincent on Netflix. Vincent says it did fail certification on consoles. Oh, it did. Interesting. I wonder what for. I don't know. Interesting. Okay. Thank you, Vincent. Um, anyway, the final story for today's housekeeping is that Netflix, now that it's had a little bit of taste of the games industry, uh, what was it? Oxenfree 2 was kind of like its first big mm-hmm. story. Um, you could get it if you were a Netflix subscriber. You could get the game for free. Um, and it's looking if to you, expand if you out. And, through all the right hoops. Right. Yeah. And it's looking to expand its games offering. One of the stories was that it wants to get Grand Theft Auto Five on Netflix for people to play. That was one of the stories for this week. Good luck with that. Yeah, exactly. And then the other story that was more recent from the last couple of days is that it wants to create more games based on its properties. And the first two properties that it mentioned are Squid Game and Wednesday. Did you watch? Did you watch Squid Game? Actually, I, I never did, asked you about it. I did watch Squid Game. What do you think of it? I liked it, although it's generic. It's kind of derivative of Battle Royale. Yeah, um, like a lot of stuff is. But uh, I mean, yeah, it's like I, I didn't I didn't flip out about how amazing and original it is, like so many people who haven't seen Japanese right. and Korean cinema for the last twenty years did. But it was a pretty good, you know, take on it. It was and good. I, yeah, I, I really enjoyed. I, it. I finished watching it. I can't yeah. say that about every every streaming show that Me comes too. along. Yeah. Um, the problem with the Squid Game. Uh, and as people have found out as they do spin-offs of it, like the game show they did and the board game they've done, it it's the games are only interesting because characters you care about are gonna die. Mm. Uh, they're not actually that fun yeah. to play or watch yeah. unless you are watching it in the context of a structured narrative. Right. Um so good luck. Yeah. Um Wednesday is probably a better angle because that that's one of their most po- popular shows of all time is that true yeah it's one of the most watched show i think it's their one of their top two or top three most wow. watched shows ever i'll say this wednesday was a massive 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 hit i'm shocked to hear that i was pleasantly surprised by it like it's basically harry think, potter because you don't think about the demographic that made it the hit that's true barbie everyone yeah that's that true. this is the lesson you should be learning from barbie is things that serve that demographic not make movies out of toys right um uh, and Wednesday's the same thing. It's it's serving a female demographic that is doesn't feel like they are represented particularly properly. I was surprised. I ended up watching the whole season. Um, it's good. I, I did do some of it on the plane, which you know, <laughs> it's very. Well, it's also very funny that um, 
Adam's family, even Adam's family, you know, a lot of people don't know Adam's family is very old. Yeah. It, it was a Far Side style comic from the 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has always been shockingly forward thinking and progressive and uh, positive. Yeah. Despite how dark the source I think material that's is. What's special about the yeah. show? Yeah. Like if you go back even to the old 60s, the black and white, black and white sitcom. Like Gomez and Morticia have one of the most like positive relationships really of any do. married couple in television. You're right, more than like the honeymooners, more than like oh, all the of honeymooners them. is an abusive right. nightmare. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, his catchphrase is hitting her so hard she leaves at the atmosphere. Yeah, like <laughs> it, it's it's amazing, and like and yeah. you don't really need to do much to change that property and make it work in any given era where they start bringing it back. Even the '90s movies still hold up pretty mm-hmm. well. Yeah. You've got, I mean, what in, in what the second '90s movie, Adam's Family Values? Wednesday goes to camp and basically leads a revolution where the people, the kids who are forced to play Indians in the in the <laughs> the Pilgrim play like overthrow the Pilgrims, right? Like it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And there's a little bit of that flavor in Wednesday, to be sure. I think narratively, Wednesday will be a better game. I think mechanically, maybe Squid Game makes more sense for a video game. Squid Game is probably an easier pitch, yeah. but I think Wednesday would end up being the better game if you give it the proper attention. Yeah. Um, There's been choices, good Adams though. Family games. Like I figured, maybe Narco, something more like adult oriented, would be their choices for this. I stuff, think Narco but... is a little too uh, generic once you turn it into a game. It's just mm-hmm. it's going to look like X Defiant, basically. Um, also, it's not one of their huge hits. Narcos wasn't one of their big hits. I thought Narcos is what put uh, Netflix on the map. Yeah, but they've gotten so much bigger since then, it's just not in the running anymore. I'll tell you what, Narcos is what got me to subscribe. I, w- I was at a buddy's house, and I watched two episodes of Narcos hit his house, and mm-hmm. I went home immediately and subscribed to Netflix to watch the rest. I can't remember what I uh, what I subscribed for. That was me. That was the one well, that got I'd, me over the hump. I subscribed as a DVD I had done that like years prior, Narcos got me to down, go to I, the streaming service. I actually had a copy of Sunset Drive, um, their Sunset Boulevard, for like a year and a half at one point. <laughs> like I, I you had never it in, sent it back. I had it in San Francisco. <laughs> it came with me when we moved to L.A. And like a year later, I found it. I'm like, oh, I should get rid of that. Because I, I realized I couldn't get any more DVDs. Yeah. Um, Vincent does remind us that there was a Narcos game. It was, there was. And it was like way low budget. Yeah, well, you think, and that's probably going to be what yeah, happens is, with these two. Yeah, I'm saying Wednesday has potential. I'm not saying it's going to be good. Yeah, they're yeah. gonna they're gonna half ass it and do some. Yep, they'll weird, hire some small indie developer to do it. It's like, gonna, it is going to turn out. Um, it's going to turn out just about as good as um, uh, what was it? Uh, the Amazon Game Studios attempt thing. No, oh. it, it, yeah, that whole New World. Thing. You mean the MMO? No, remember they tried to make a whole game studio and hired a bunch of people oh, and moved everybody no, down I to San Diego saying. and never got anything done because Lumberyard they... is a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, realized that they couldn't do it. Basically, yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, that's Netflix's targets. We'll see what ultimately comes to fruition. Uh, but also, they haven't even started on these, so they're going to be years away. So anyway, Squid Game and Wednesday video games look like they're coming, and more uh, Netflix properties are apparently going to be brought up for the concept of the uh, interactive entertainment medium. So we'll see how that goes. Mm. Um, I do wonder if this is a smart move generally for Netflix to dive into game development and stuff like this. I don't... It doesn't make that much sense to me, honestly. It's, They're trying to it, incentivize it feels people like to stay it, subscribed. It's, it's a, it feels very forced. Because I... License I'll, these things out to make games on normal platforms? Fine. Yeah. But like, 
uh, trying to make it part of the Netflix service. It's like, I mean, they didn't even do a very good. I mean, you would never know you could get games on Netflix, ever. That Oxen Free No hint about any of that. Yeah, it was a joke. Yeah, it was hard to figure out. So, anyway, there you go. That's our housekeeping for Game Face episode 362. We're about to get into the bulk of the show, but before we do that, it's time to hear a word from our sponsor, LS Cream. LS Cream is a fine cream liqueur created by fellow gamer and sifter Stevens Charles. It's inspired by an ancestral recipe from Haiti called Cray Mass and a double gold winner for its original taste at the New York Wine and Spirit International Competition. Ellis Cream can be enjoyed on the rocks or as a mixer for drinks with its rich blend of fresh cream and neutral grain spirits with notes of coconut, vanilla, cinnamon, and nutmeg. It's great in coffee or to make espresso martinis. To learn more, discover amazing drink recipes, or to track down your own bottle using a handy store locator, head to creamls.com sifted. That's creamls.com sifted. So as I said, I went to a concert on Saturday. In fact, my sister came into town because she was also a big fan of the band that played. Uh, one of my favorite bands, Slow Dive, played in LA on Saturday. And again, my sister came into town and our pregame before we went to the concert, was with LS Cream. And it's great for that. It's great for all kinds of social situations. My sister loved it. I still have yet to meet someone who even kind of didn't like it, Matt. I, no one I've ever given it to is like, oh, that's okay. They all love it, including my sister. So head to creamls.com slash sifted. That's S-I-F-T-D. Right there, you can figure out where to buy it, either online or locally at a local store. You can also learn all about the liqueur. And there is a rich history behind it. Um, you can get drink recipes. There's all kinds of awesome stuff there. Again, head to creamls.com slash sifted and get sorted. Um, and with that, it's time to kick off the show proper. We're going to start with a game that may be my most disappointing game of 2023 so far. Mm. And that game is Forza that's Motorsport. A, that's a bold claim. I struggle to find other games that this, are in the same class. Um... A lot of games have been disappointing this year, but this is this is definitely this would definitely be on the nominee list. I think sure. maybe what's increasing its mind share for me is that it was in development for six years. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to guess that this thing uh, maybe was more in development for a year and a half or so. Do you really you think that's what I think happened? They, it feels like they must have started over or gone back to the drawing board a bunch of times because there's no this is not six years of, of work. Now, we try to not criticize other critics for their opinions on games on Game Face because it's like my dad always said, opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. And so we try to respect the opinions of others. But I will just say, Matt, that I am completely flummoxed by the aggregate review scores for this game. I I hate to ever use a line where we played the same game. Like, But did we play the same game? Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, like as the... If you're just going by the driving sim aspect, it's as good as it ever was, if not better. You mean as far as just the handling of handling the, cars the car, the driving? the driving, how it feels, the physics of everything, the fact that you know the, how it feels when you know, the car slows down, when you go up, yeah, it feel it all feels very real. It feels like driving my TTS when I'm driving the Audi TT in this. Now my car um, feels real the, too. How you know it gets it gets slipperier, slipperier as it rains more. Like it gets less slippery if the rain stops in the first lap, and by the fifth lap, like it's dry on the track. Like, 
Like it's it's a it is a sim. It is re doing remarkable stuff. Um, but presentationally, but. <laughs> I I don't recognize this as Forza Motorsport. Like it's got zero personality, and that has never happened in this series before. And I'm not talking about Horizon. I'm not judging this game by Horizon. It is not Horizon. It's never tried to be Horizon. They are separate things. But Forza Motorsport has traditionally, I've loved this series because it has celebrated like the love of cars and driving and racing and all that. And it was the one with personality. And it was the one that didn't make you have to just, your career mode wasn't just navigating blank menus like Gran Turismo. But that is what the career mode in this is. Yeah. It's just a it's just a menu. Like I this is a phrase I never thought I would ever say in my entire life. Gran Turismo 7 has better presentation than Forza Motorsport. It has better presentation and more personality. Yeah. This game is what like a happened? blank slate. I have I I <laughs> if, this game is so sterile, I it's hard to reconcile it with its title. It's so sterile and it's so simple. It's like the whole game, you just navigate menus and just go to the track and race a track. Well, first you have to do three laps as like a test before you can actually race in the event. But I, I, I wonder why, Matt, the industry has just decided that if you're a racing simulation, your game can't have an open world. Now, I get that like you got to race on the official tracks, the licensed tracks you paid all the money for and the tracks that honestly people want to race to race on. But why if why can't you just create this magical hub where that takes you to all the greatest racetracks in the world? And when you go look, when you play Forza Horizon, the track isn't in the open world. You start the event and then it zaps you to that track and you play on that track. Like Well, usually the the where you're racing in Horizon is part of the open world. It's just Sometimes. I would say the vast majority of the time. Really? Yeah, I thought it's... you got zapped to tr special tracks. I mean, you all the get time. zapped to another part of the map, so you don't yeah. have to sit around waiting like you do in this for the multiplayer because you can go do other things. But like, no, it's you. It's I would say ninety percent of the time, it's a it's part of the open world. Just like you, they put the corner marker things and everything. Really? Yeah, it's, you're racing. That's I didn't think that was the case. The I track they is, were separate no, from the, the open world. No, the Horizon tracks are the open world. It's like with racing bumpers added to it, basically. That's the whole point. That's why there's locations to go to. But you don't have to. You can just warp or you can do whatever yeah, you want. Yeah, I thought that once you got there, you just triggered like... No. No. It's, no, it is literally you start from where that marker is on the map and you race the open world. Interesting. I thought it was different. But anyway, no. there's still no reason why they couldn't have an open world for games. Like, there's something no, interesting there is. to do. You're just not going to like it. Um, because, I mean, you could do that. That is maybe an interesting way to sort of present it as opposed to just navigating menus. But the problem is that after 10 minutes, everybody just fast travel everywhere and not do it anymore. It's, yeah. a, it's a waste of effort. I mean, I drive places because I like, I like in Forza Horizon, I drive places. Like, I enjoy the speed traps and like all the little stuff that they put in there, the signs that you can blast through. And yeah, like, that's just not, that, that's, and, um, that's, that's not what this game is missing but one me. of the like for example um we just played the crew motor fest and they had really cool stuff in the open world like you'd get like you just like trigger impromptu like slalom races impromptu races in the open world like actually that game did a good job with the open world stuff, right even more that's, so than Horizon. but that's not what the motorsport is you know that's not what they're trying to do they're trying to simulate real racing in real professional situations on these real locations um and i think it just makes it so boring um, but the others weren't. I and mean, like, I thought they kind of were. Not like this. I mean, the driving model was... You're right, this is worse. But I thought the driving model was always good. 
It's just I always thought his presentation was sterile. It was better than Gran Turismo, but that was a low yeah, bar. Yeah, but to that's clear. the nature of that's the nature of a driving sim. Yeah, that's just what it is. It's just I mean, it's just funny that you just have to accept that that's just the way it is. We accept like, it. Because, I mean, they know like you know that's not what the people who are into this kind of thing want. But do you um, think they want this? Judging by the review scores, um, I don't. Like, most of the people I know who are not into this are not hardcore gearhead people. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a hardcore gearhead either. I don't know what I don't know how to do the fucking tuning thing. I, I don't I tweet. Just, I don't touch it. I just hit the button. I hit the button and let it on. Yeah, I've done that forever on these <laughs> yeah. games. That's one of the reasons. Who these... goes in and adjusts the camber on cars? I'm sure like a half of a. Percent I know four or people who would do that. Really? Absolutely. That's more than I thought one, you'd know. One of them's dead, but like, yeah. the, 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 <laughs> I know. I know three. That's people. more than I thought. Yeah. That, and that would know, I mean, one of them, the guy who's dead, is the guy who in college when Gran Turismo started coming out, I would invite him over to my dorm room and t- ask him to help me make Complete the car. Complete all the license tests. No, I'd ask him to help me <laughs> get the car set up. Uh, I'm like, uh, what do I need? Like, what does this mean? What? How Do I want it higher or lower? Do I, and he'd be like, set that to this, set that to that. And it would fucking drive perfectly. Like, uh, he knew exactly how to do that. There's people that love doing that. But also, there's other games for people that are more into that, like My Summer Car, which is one of the most... <laughs> horrifyingly difficult <laughs> things i mean the car mechanics simulators are are no no joke when you take all the assists off yeah um but uh yeah i mean it's, this is doing what it what it's trying to do in terms of like putting you on the track and but it's just like the presentationally i don't understand where all the stuff from the other games went especially because they put out a new forza every two years for something like 12 years yeah and then it takes six years to get this out and it's missing basic there's no there's no car club in nope. this there's no social features here. Even you know what's one of the, <laughs> the weirdest multiplayer. One of the so weirdest weird. things is the fact that the drivatar names are off by default. Oh, I didn't notice that actually. Well, because usually you, you, especially in the other games and in the Horizon. Oh, you mean above the cars? Above the as cars. They go around. You see, I mean, yeah. I recognize some of these. Look, like, I've raced against people on my friends list for years. I know that if if there's a Batman uh, <laughs> car, I know who that is. Right. I, you know, um, also weird that like almost every one of my male friends, when you go to do the podium thing, they're all the female body in a purple racing suit of oh, some really? kind. <laughs> and so am I. I don't know yeah. what happened oh, there. Really? We all just pick girls with purple racing weird. suits. What some ha- of you guys, by the way, are going to see your names in this B-roll. Because um, if you're on my friends list on Xbox, like every time you line up and there's like 24 competitors or whatever, it's all people from your friends list. But I just, there's no, it's, for me, it's, uh, you know, as someone who does actually enjoy the racing and doesn't, I don't need an open world. I don't need, but I do need some trappings. I need, mm-hmm. you know, like the, it's silly and I would do it differently, but like the, cafe thing in Gran Turismo 7 is not a bad idea. It's better like, than this. Like, putting faces on things <laughs> is not a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to the only character in this game is the the woman who tells you, last lap, bring it on home. Kind yeah. Of and, like your manager, I guess. Yeah, I don't know but, who the hell she is, But there's honestly. no context for any of you. Like, why am I doing this? What am I doing? What am I at? Like, you don't even have a thing where it's like, even Horizon gives you the thing where it's like, you can either focus on off-roading or... I mean, obviously, I don't expect off-roading me in this game, but like, Set the the event tracks up so like you want to be this kind of racer, do this. You want to be this kind of racer, follow this, and that'll give you different people you're working with, like some kind of interactive thing on who the who's on the team. I mean, they even do that in some of the the cutscenes between things. You're seeing like, you're like doing high fives and talking to the guys on the telemetry things. Like no one's there doing that and, yeah, and talking to you about. I mean, here. I don't need it to be like bros being bros like an Horizon or anything, but it feels like you, even if you make it a, you know a little sterile, it could still be sort of like. You've got the tech guy telling you about how the car works now, and you got oh on this track you're gonna like advisors or something about like yeah. oh for this track you're gonna want to do this. It's just like kind of a random VO, and then you never hear from him again. Um, 
It's just weird and like it's just empty and like soulless. Yeah, it's the and, best like, I, way I and I've never it, described like, a Forza Motorsport like that before. Yeah. Um, like the fact when I realized you could not jo- join or form a car club, I was like that was one of the big things originally with Forza was like you could like group together with other people and like you all helped each other out and got bonuses for yeah. how many people raced. You didn't have to race together, but it was like it's just so weird. It's all gone. I mean, you really only have you have like. Your career mode, yeah. where there's five different tours that you play in, and each tour has what, like five or six races? I think six, and then a finale or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there's like yeah, a, five and five and a finale. Yeah, and then and then you have to for each one of those races, you have to do three laps in practice before yeah. you can actually. And enter then there's the race. another final event set that you only get when you finish all four finales of the other ones, right? Or something like that. Yep. I'm not where near close because the fact that you got to do three practice laps every fucking race makes this stuff take forever. It takes forever. Forever. And yeah. you can you can skip it. I can't remember I exactly. I haven't figured out how to do that. It's weird. You have to back out and go back in and pause and then you can just skip practice. The problem is you get XP while you're practicing and this does use the same sort of system forces used for a while where you have driver XP which is your overall character level and then you have a level for the car a specific car you're driving yeah. and the higher the weirdly this is weirdly anti-sim to me but you only use money in this to buy cars and you have to, to if you start a tour right because to, you usually don't have a car that'll qualify well for usually it. I do because I have the, the car pass. What does that mean? That means I bought the VIP thing. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Because I, re- I have to buy a car for every tour. Because I realized, like, to play it early, I didn't have to. I did the Starfield thing. I didn't have to buy the game because I had Game Pass. I just had to buy the $30 VIP add-on. Ah, gotcha. Like people did with the premium thing right, for Starfield. Right, 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 right. So I did that. So I have, like, a, I get a new car, like, every other day in the Jeez. mail. And, like, mo- so usually I do have something that covers well, let it. me tell you what it's like but for like people have, slumming but, it like but me, you have to like, But you have to, like... <laughs> You, your your level up points you get from leveling the car up are separate each to each car, and that's what you use to tune the performance and upgrade the car. So if you're not doing the practice, the game is assuming you're going to get those level ups from the XP you get from doing the practices. So you will be behind the curve in terms of performance against the grid when you're racing the actual races. And it's not that hard a game. It's actually probably the easiest. The Forza rub there ever. is that if you do the, um, the practice laps and you do improve your car, the game becomes a cakewalk. But, but I would way, say, by the time you get to I the end of the pra- tour, I when was I pra- people. But when I skip practice, I couldn't keep up with any of them. Really? Because they literally have higher top speeds than Interesting. me. Interesting. I couldn't, I couldn't compete. If you so do you the have- practice laps, by the last race of a tour, I'm lapping them. Yeah, so- I'm literally lapping them, catching up with the back of the pack in a five-lap race on like a 10-mile I mean, track. I'm, I mean, I'm playing on Drivatar 7, which is about... It's about like okay, I can get ahead. I can get to the to first place by like the second or third lap. Yeah, even I'm if you fine. start at the way back. Um, because well, here's the other thing you can do to make this game: you can either adjust the drivatar level, as Matt said, or you can choose the order where you start the race. You can put yourself all the way in 24th place so that you fight your way through all the cars, and then you earn more credits if you do it that way. Yeah, although if you're in 24th place, you only you get the credits when you hit something like fifth or sixth. Or oh, something. really? I didn't know that. It as you once you go down below 14. It doesn't expect you to get higher than a certain. Oh, I didn't know that, that actually. So you get the bonus for that, and you don't get any more for getting higher than that. Oh, I didn't so know if you, that. If you're gonna get first place every time, there's no reason to go below. I think 14th. Interesting. I did not know that. Um, it's 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 an interesting system. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but ultimately, the game is easy. Like I really have struggled to have any pushback on this game because I'm doing 
the practice laps every time. It gets harder as you go on, and like it's, it's been a little more challenging as the drivatars have gotten better as more people have played longer. Mm-hmm. But the one the other thing is the drivatar AI in this. Uh, usually, the drivatar stuff has been pretty solid in this series. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the highlights, really, because they don't drive like computers. They drive. They fuck up. They do things. You know, yeah, they, they do it, make it, mistakes. But like the first two turns on every race in this game is like a demolition derby. Like. That's not how racing works. Did, Matt, like, did you see in the trailer it said win in the corners? Yeah, I don't that know. Game, that's actually accurate in this yeah. game because you can just go piling into the corners and just yeah, use boing, them as bumpers yeah. and you can like make up 10 places in one but turn. Like, and it, like, the thing is, like, it's not even because you as a player are short-circuiting the AI. Like the cars up in front of me are pit maneuvering each other. Like, right. It's like yeah. they are, mo- and that doesn't. No matter how high you turn the drivatar level up, they don't get any safer. Yeah. Um. And that's funny because there is a safety rating in the multiplayer, and if you don't drive like a professional, you'll get dumped into. You know, you'll get dumped. You know, if you want an S rank, if you don't touch other cars, you will get an S rank in safety and be matched with other S rank safety people. Yeah. If you're like me and carry them off people to make I the turn too, faster, yeah. you're going to get a C or something and get yeah. dumped in with a bunch of yahoos, which yeah. is fine, but whatever. Yeah. Um, it's just usually that's not how the AI has functioned. I mean, you're the one being a dick in most of the most of the other forces, but in this one, the, I've been rammed back and forth. And the problem is you get experience for every section based on how well you perform. If you touch another car, you get a one out of ten. Yeah. By default, even if you're not the one whose fault it is. Yeah, yeah. Like the, like these stupid dickheads like will ram into them. I'm like, no, I was right there, and you just say, hey, you still get the penalty. Yeah. And the other that's thing too annoying. is going off track. That's all busted. Like how they whether they deduct points from you or not. There's no rhyme or reason to how that works. Whether you're going to get time deducted for going off track. I've gone like I have completely cut a corner off mm. and just went through the grass and ignored the corner and still didn't have any time deducted. So I did look that. Apparently that is supposedly based somewhat on the penalty uh, guidelines for each track. Oh, really? In real, I guess some tracks in real life are more lenient than others depending on what corner you're cutting or not. Interesting. Like the Indianapolis track, don't give a fuck. It seems like, like all I, the tracks they didn't I have accident on the Indianapolis track, I accidentally ran you know, there's a little, there's a little like the double S. There's a little S curve yeah. there. I, the first time on that track, I actually ran just through, like, because it's flat. It's yeah, like, yeah. Like most tracks, like, especially modern tracks, have larger, you know, demarcations embankments, yeah. and embankments. Indy, the in, Indianapolis 500 is just flat most of the time. I never realized um, that. And actually. so, like, so I accidentally drove over both of them, and it gave me a like best person, personal best for that <laughs> section of track. Like, no shit, I drove through the curve. Like, what are you talking? Like, so I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know enough about actual real life professional racing to know if that's accurate or not. But yeah. I, I saw claims on Reddit that like, no, that's actually how they, like they you wouldn't get penalized for that on the indie the indie track or like yeah. this track in uh, in uh, I can't remember the name. It's a track in Africa. It's very very uh, strict about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting because it just seems like I can just get away with murder. Well, and look, like, it, usually the penalties don't fucking matter. And, yeah. uh, it, you're talking about a couple seconds at best, and uh, I don't think I've ever finished uh, less than five seconds ahead of the next you know, no, second right. place car. So. Yeah. So there um, are 20- it matters more in multiplayer, I'm sure, but like, yeah. I don't expect to come in anywhere in multiplayer because everybody online is way better than i am yeah there are 20 tracks in the game most of them are real there's a couple that are fake ones there are 500 cars 500 cars in this game Mm -hmm. that is insane like it takes like 20 minutes just to scroll through all the cars but here's the thing matt like sometimes the cars look great like this green car looks great that other like kind of like 
crazy like cinematic thing that they do before each tour. Cars mm. look great. Well, sort but of. But then you go to the track, and like the paint jobs on these, there's something wrong. It's like if you look at the the wheel wells on the cars, like the paint or the wraps get pixelated like around the well, wheel some wells. Of the, like a lot of the like if you're some of that's custom stuff. So like I've seen a lot of custom like liveries from like the user made stuff and they're just not high enough res and i don't know where those are coming from but i've seen like pennzoil stickers that like you can't even read pennzoil yeah um and that is people making basically making their own li- liveries that are too low res. and i don't know how people do that like i've never made liveries that involve bother. like actual yeah. logos too and much, things yeah. like i don't know if you recreate those pixel by pixel or if there's a way to scan them in or whatever i don't know yeah. how any of that works i don't either um, but I've seen some. I've seen some that look great, and I've seen some that are maybe. I don't know. Like, did you import that from Forza Five or something? Because like <laughs> that that does not look like a modern day uh, custom skin here. Yeah. Um, the actual default stuff looks fine. Um, although I think the the cutscene before the events it betrays um, that they don't quite have this game graphically up to up to performance speed in a lot of ways. Like. Um, Texture Glitch is asking, like, how are there 500 cars? I've seen, like, 20. And he brings up a good point. So when you start a new tour, you choose your car. Like, they mm -hmm. give you three or two that you can choose from to buy. And as somebody who did not get the collector's version or whatever, any money that I earn in that last tour, I need every penny of it Mm -hmm. to afford a car for the next one. I think I also got, like, 300,000 bonus money. Oh, wow. That changes everything. Yeah, That changes everything. The VIP pass in the Forza games, always worth it. Yeah, always worth it. But just his, because you have a car, you almost always have a car to just do whatever you want to do with. Yep. But to to his point, like he's right. Like I've played this game for like I don't know, probably 15, 16 hours, and my I own like six cars. Mm. Like because it's so slow. And again, uh, each tour you have to you pick a car and you stick with it through the whole tour. Like you don't change cars each race. Now you can upgrade them between races. And again, I just choose like the auto upgrade or whatever. And by the time I get to the last race, I'm just lapping people, and my car is so much more, so much faster than everybody else's. But to his point, he's right. There's 500 cars, but like, where do you get to use them? Like, yeah, you have I mean, to play this game for like the rest of your life to get to all those cars. Well, you can um, you can buy whatever you think is the best. That's the other thing is like you don't you used to be awarded cars a lot. I mean, Horizon does it more. Mm-hmm. But you used to be awarded cars for winning things or achieving certain things or whatever, and that's that's kind of you gone. really don't. Um, in this. It's it's weird. Even Gran Turismo Seven's more generous than it that. is. It's um, really stingy with the car. Like I don't expect to get wheel spins or anything like in Horizon, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's just like I, I felt like you were getting you know showered with stuff a little more in the in the previous games. Um, it's been a while. Maybe I need to go back and refresh. But like I just never it, this this game feels stingy with everything. It's true. Um, well, the other thing too is that like once you finish a tour with that one car and it's all buffed up like you'll never go back to it because the next tour is yeah, themed it's like a muscle car yeah because none of the other car. none of the other tours it's not i mean it's not like you can go back and bring back one of your superstar cars yeah because odds are you're not you're maybe gonna get one more series that that car might qualify maybe. for maybe like yeah. maybe one or two of them yep um but it's like you know, I, I I'm driving a Mercedes. Uh, I drove my Mercedes in one of the German tour things, and I ended up really liking that car. Mm-hmm. And I haven't gotten to use. I mean, I, I could go in a free play like this to just race a thing and yeah. you get XP for that. But it's that. like, what's the point? <laughs> you're boring. not. It doesn't feel like you're making any progress. Yeah. Um, One thing I do like about it though is how it the it's built like segment by segment of the track. So 
sometimes like you take a corner poorly or whatever you fly off the road and you have like a horrible segment that's okay because you get to the next like segment and you can nail it and you get bonus rewards for each segment in the mm-hmm. in the race instead of like just getting rewards for the overall performance throughout the entire race yeah I mean, which they, i think is cool right i mean they've done that for the last two yeah um and horizon started doing that too so it's, yeah it's a little fun. bit and it I, I think part of the reason that came about is because it makes a lot more sense with the rewind feature Yep. Um, if you rewind, you that you no longer get points for that section unless you rewind before you start the section. Yeah. Uh, but like, it may, it breaks it up so that like you don't feel so bad having to redo something because you're at least going to get that next section's XP. Yep. Um, and they do. You know, the the one nice thing about the practice thing, I just think it should be optional, is that they they do time you on kind of. Um, key characteristic areas of the track mm-hmm. like named corners yeah, important yeah. stuff and like you can you you know that if you get those right you're going to do better on that race um and that is actually i mean you don't really need that for doing the fighting the ai but it is actually pretty darn good practice for multiplayer yeah um because there's a lot of people that cannot uh manage the carousel properly and if you can you're gonna get ahead Speaking of multiplayer, the way that they do it is goofy and weird. Like, you have to show up at predetermined times, and you have to join the race before, way before it's supposed to actually happen. Because you have to do, like, just like in the single player, you have to do qualifying mm-hmm. races before you can participate in the multiplayer. Which is absolutely bizarre. It's a, like, just having to, like, schedule time to do multiplayer. That's crazy. Like, you can't just jump into a race with 24 other players online mm-hmm. in this. Like, like I just want to do one race. Like, on absolutely track. make that a mode for the people that really want to take it seriously. But why can't you just race a race? Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's I don't... They're, I don't... What? Again, what the hell were they doing for six years on this game, Matt? I don't know. I don't... What the hell happened? There's thing, And, like, I have a lot of graphical issues with it. Me too. It. The game um, doesn't look good. Like... And I'm playing on my PC. It's, like, washed out and, like, all gray and, It like, doesn't have HDR. Is that... Oh, I didn't realize that. Not, you you not can tell. A, I, there's no HDR option in my, in my PC options. Now that I think options. about it, I don't see it pop up on my uh, TV. Either. I think it, it looks very washed out. Uh, if you compare it to GT7, it doesn't yeah. pop the same way. No. Even, even just the general landscape, even like that, just looks kind of yeah. gray. Look at all the gray. And I don't the... mean just look at the gray because the road is gray. Right. I mean, there's no vibrancy to it. Yeah, I agree. Um, even the paint jobs on the cars, like if you compare compare that to GT7, and there's some shine there, but if you look at the same car with the same factory paint job on GT7, that thing pops. It comes a lot. And it's just, yeah. and part of it's because GT7 has HDR. Yeah. Um, and I have not been able, uh, oh, uh, Scorpio's Finest says HDR is on the Series X, but there's a bug with it. Oh. Um, I'm playing, so I'm playing on, the, on PC with everything maxed out, everything to ultra, 120 mm-hmm. frames a second. Um, I tried. I don't think. I think it. Run, I think with everything maxed out and DLSS on, it runs at like eighty four. Yeah. And I capped it at sixty because the variability made me made, made it weird look weird. But like, and it, so it runs fine that way. But like in the in the shots where like the the big thing in front of the screens before the events. Yeah. The reflections are so jagged. Like you yeah. can, you can it, it it exposes flaws in it weirdly. And the biggest thing was so I did turn on it has the power to use to turn on the rearview mirror. You know, mm-hmm. the, so I, yeah. I, I like having that. Except um, the cars look like they're an N64 game in the rear view. They don't, they don't look super. <laughs> they don't look super bad on PC, but they are low detail models I'll compared to, some to what of you're this looking B-roll at. Where I can um, show it but to the people. weirdest thing with the rear view mirror is because um, I do like the weather effects in this game a lot. And at one point, I was doing a race in fog, 
and the fog got thicker and thicker as the race went on and that was really cool like the like you're driving through and it parts and it's like looks neat but they do not apply the fog effects to the rearview mirror on the cars or the spectators. Wow. So in the rearview mirror, you've got all this fog and you're seeing like the road sort of vanish into the fog, but all the cars are perfectly clear low res models of the cars wiggling back and forth in the fog. And I'm like, why, how? Well, you can see it right there. How did that Look in happen? the rear view right there and look at the cars in the rear view. They're completely pixelated. They're so low res. Yeah, that does not look like that on the PC. Oh, it doesn't? No. No. <laughs> look at those cars. They literally look like an N64 I mean, game. rearview mirrors are hard. They are, because for... you have to render it all over again. Yeah, and there's, side, there's a side mirror, too, by the way, on the left there. Yeah, even on PC, there's an option to remove the mirrors. Oh, really? Or completely remove them to yeah. improve performance. I can see that. Um, but look at the cars there in that rearview mirror. Very, they almost look backwards. <laughs> That's I, very funny. Again, Matt, I just, did, it, where it, did it, the six years go working on this game? I don't know. Especially like after the, the previous one, which was like sort of the pristine launch darling of the yeah. Xbox One, if you even want to call anything that for the Xbox One. But, I mean, um, I tend to agree with you. Maybe this game was rebooted at some point, and they really only spent a couple years on it instead of six. I see, because it, I mean, I don't know anything about game development on a nitty-gritty scale or anything like that, but to me, this game feels rushed. It does. And how can that be? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Because it's I think there had there must have been rebooting or corporate meddling or both or I mean you know like at this point you know at a certain point this was the only like graphical showcase game they had in the pipeline I'm sure that Microsoft probably tried to you know it wouldn't surprise me if Microsoft micromanaged this thing to hell and back it's possible um, we've heard stories already so yeah and uh, this is what you get when you do that if you don't let these you know as, as though as though you. I mean, that's some short-sightedness that is really would be disappointing if true. Like, it's just like, if you don't think Turn 10 knows their business on this stuff, you're out of your mind. Like, yeah. They've turned in a banger every two years without fail from Forza 1 to yeah. Forza 7. Yeah. And you start, start getting... You start, as though the problem with the Xbox brand was that Forza Motorsport wasn't good. Yeah. You know? It's and like, to be fair, like, the driving in this is really good. Yeah. Like, the feeling, the physics of the cars, like, as you mentioned, like... Going uphill, your cars decelerate really yeah. realistically. Yeah, and you can rely on it. You yes. you know you oh, don't yeah. need to ride the brake if you have yep. a, if you have slope uphill. That part's like, great. Very well just, done. It just it lacks any sort of personality or style. Yeah. There's just it's, there's none. There's not even a theme. It's like, like there's nothing. No, it's, it's 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 like the opposite of that thing where we say it's like oh everything's cool, but the moment to moment gameplay just doesn't work or doesn't grab you. Yeah, the moment to moment gameplay gameplay in this is great. Yeah, but there's nothing Everything outside else. of it. Yeah, and I, and I've never said that about a Forza before. I know. I also feel like there's like very little motivation to actually improve in the game unless you just want to unlock more parts. That most players honestly will never even use. For a like, specific car. Yeah. That I guess if you want to use it in multiplayer. Like, I don't know where I'm going with any exactly. of Exactly. What's my motivation? What's my motivation? To keep playing. Yeah. Like, I just, I struggle to find and it. And, like, if I finish those events that are, like, in that, that initially, is that it? Yeah. Is that all that's there? That's it doesn't, it. it doesn't the unlock a tours. whole, no other, like, world of motorsport or anything? Well, you nope. better have some fucking DLC in the pipeline for yeah. this thing. Well, I mean, you know there's going to be. There's sure. Be but, like, I don't mean just cars. I mean, you need, they need... They need a career mode in this thing. Yeah, it feels like a, it feels like something that would be on the PS2. It's like it has all these crazy parts and these upgrade and tweaking the systems to tweak the car and the performance. But I never use it, and I really don't think the vast majority of people who play these games use it either. I mean, I think if they did, you you wouldn't have the auto tune 
option. Right. You know, like which is all I do. I just yeah. hit X and let the game do it. I would it. imagine that's what most people because look, being a driving sim fan doesn't mean that you know how all that works. Right. It doesn't mean you're a mechanic. Yeah. Basically. So. I mean, I'm maybe glad you know one or two <laughs> things you prefer, yeah. but I would be surprised if you know. Like, I also because like it does fine. Yeah, like the auto the auto tune things. It does. You, yeah. I'm sure even the people, even a lot of the outside of the hardcore gearheads, I'm sure you auto you automat you do the auto tune thing, and, and then you go in and tweak whatever you think yeah. you'd rather have, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think too. Um, I'll just say this: I'm really glad that I got this on Game Pass instead of paying like seventy bucks for it. I would be really pissed if I paid seventy dollars mm-hmm. for this game. Yeah, I mean, I. I don't regret the VIP thing because thirty bucks. Thirty bucks is what I would pay for this game. Yeah, (laughs) honestly, it made life easier. Yeah, Um, but like I don't see the point of going back to it. Yeah. Um, Black Sierra says the driving wheel support isn't very good. Thank you for adding mm -hmm. that because neither one of us played it with a wheel. Somebody asked about damage. There is damage in the game if you set the if you set the difficulty high enough. Um, You can choose whether it's cosmetic or it actually cosmetic or affects performance. Yeah. Yeah. That if you want to be more difficult, which is nice. Um, um, rock and roll. Four, it's five, a full eight. featured simulation in terms of the car on the track. Mm-hmm. Like it's just not a very good presentation of anything else. I just didn't find it to be very fun. I mean, you don't ultimately. even have the thing where it's like you can go in and look at the car and like some like overly serious narrator will tell you facts about it. It's, it's like it's mm-hmm. it's all all the all the all the window dressing is gone, and it's that kind of made it's force naked. of what it was. Yeah, it's just so simple. There's just nothing there. Uh, Rock and Roll 458 asks, uh, the two big releases for Xbox this year have been Starfield and Forza. Uh, Both aren't bad by any means. I'm enjoying Starfield, but they seem rather half-baked in a mixed bag. Do you view this as concerning for Xbox going forward? No. I think we're just seeing desperate Xbox right now, honestly. Mm -hmm. I think it's just like we need to get games out in the pipeline. People have been waiting patiently for way too long. Yeah, because Starfield, I mean, Starfield's fine. Starfield sold 10 million goddamn copies. It's not, no one cares. And the bugs in that, I really didn't suffer a lot of bugs. No, Starfield, like all the Bethesda, you know, that's the thing is you can't ever forget that nobody does what Bethesda does. Mm -hmm. There is no equivalent of Skyrim. There is no equivalent. There is no competition for that. There is competition for this. Oh, yeah. So you um, have the other the other analog to compare yeah, it to. I mean, and, granted, you need to have the other system yeah. to do that because I'm comparing it to GT. I don't know if there's, mm-hmm. but you know, there's PC games that that do this. You know, would you rather play this or Grid? Yeah, probably Grid Four. Probably, right? yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hate to admit that, but that's Grid Four has a little bit of personality to yeah. it. Yeah, and I do feel like maybe Game Pass, maybe Microsoft looks at it like, well, most people aren't going to pay full price for this, so maybe that gives them a little bit of a license to mm-hmm. put stuff out before it really wants and to. And there's an element of it. You need this thing out, like when it, you know, to fill this this gap in the schedule. It's been it's, six years, right? But if you need this out to fill that gap in the schedule, and you don't want to wait any longer, like it's fine. This is one of those it's like not, it's gonna crap or get off the pot situations. I feel like with Microsoft, they're like, look, man, we gave you six years to make this game, like. Get the game out. Well, also because there's probably a Horizon coming next right. year. Right. So. And how are those games so amazing? They come out every two or three years, and we get this after six years. I just. Well, I think different different developers and, frankly, completely different approaches. Yeah. Like, Forza Horizon has so much more freedom in what it's they're going to do. It's just fun, ultimately. Yeah. Uh, and Forza, But that means that Forza Motorsport, you have to figure out a way to present it in a more compelling way. And to their credit... Uh, Polyphony has been working on that for like three games now yeah. and between Sport and Seven have more or less figured it out for themselves. Yeah. And it's weird that the series that had figured it out from the from day one dropped the ball on day eight. Yeah. It's really bizarre. And that was a long day. Yeah. 
Um, and Silk Snake asks, um, another Xbox letdown. Who's to blame? Who is to blame? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could blame Phil Spencer, but all I can tell you is uh, Hellblade. Hellblade Two better be a fucking <laughs> banger. Rip, rip snorting. <laughs> Erebus Jones asks, who, by the way, you probably saw your name in, in the B-roll over and over again. You were definitely one of the drivatars in my game. Uh, do you think Forza is more of a platform and some of this stuff will be addressed over time, like the stinginess? I mean, I think it, it has to address some yeah, of this I, stuff. Yeah, I don't see how you don't. I mean, it. It, it's pretty unanimous across all the reviews, including us, that the game needs to give up the cars a lot more easily than yeah. it does. Um, again, as somebody who didn't pay extra money, like, I understand where chat's coming from, man. Like, you do not get cars. And again, you finish a tour, and if you do all the th- all the three practice laps and then do the race and finish first pretty much in all those mm-hmm. races, you still barely have enough money to buy the car that will qualify for the next tour. And that's going to get even more difficult as you as move you forward go. into the higher level yep. stuff. And then you need a car that costs 250000 right. They're going to yep. want you to have an S-Class. Yep. And yep. So, Meanwhile, I have like three of those already. This is disappointing. Again, this is one of the most disappointing games of the year for me so far in 2023. And we're starting to get towards the end of it here. So it's it's definitely up there. Uh, somebody mentioned our Turkey Awards earlier for Thanksgiving time. And we'll see if it ends up being in there. Oh, but it's definitely in the running. There's a, there's a lot of choices for that. There are. Yeah. Um, but anyway, there you go. That's Forza Motorsport 2023. Uh, to Erebus Jones' point, yeah. I mean, it's going to stick around for the next, like, I don't know about six years, but no, the next few. Just two years at least. Yeah. So I'm, my guess is it does improve over time. Uh, there's like an editorial from The Escapist that we curated the Sifted this week. And the whole thesis of it was like, it's not worth it to buy games at launch anymore. Like, And the, the editor was like, every game I buy at launch, it's a disaster. And then like six months later, it's what I thought I was paying for. Mm-hmm. And so why do I suffer being the beta tester through these games that launch instead of just waiting six months to buy them cheaper and to get them when they play better and all the DLCs there? Because like, you work in Game Press, that's why. Yeah, we have to. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> like, the, that's, a, yeah, that's, that's the job. That's, that's fine <laughs> that's advice, but gig. you have to do it when it comes <laughs> out. Otherwise, the business goes away. Yeah. Yeah, that's the gig. So there you go. That's Forza Motorsport 2023. I mean, that's a thumbs down from me. How about you? That's more of a... Sideways, sideways. <laughs> like it's if you just want to drive cars, it's great. Yeah, but like if you want more than that, I mean, it's, it's Go somewhere else. Basically, it's it's it reminds me of the old Gran Turismo's where it was just like <laughs> a white menu and you can go drive a car. That, yeah, you're right, and that's pretty much it. And I expect more from that. From I think my the, biggest disappointment, more than that from Forza. My biggest disappointment, I think, is the multiplayer mm-hmm. because that's something that like you can play forever. Like the fact that there's no quick multiplayer races. I like, think it's weird they don't let you do go do something else. Right. While you're waiting right while you're waiting one. for the race to start. Yeah. It, anyway, yeah. So anyway, one thumbs down, one in the middle from Matt from Forza Motorsport 2023. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about a game that sadly I have to admit I did not play at all. I did not even play like the first hour for B-roll in this case. I didn't have time because I played something else. We're going to talk about in a minute. Um, plus, they were very good about putting out B-roll. The developers were good about putting out B-roll of the game throughout the course of its development. And that game is called Lords of the Fallen. Not to be confused with Lords of the Fallen that released in 2013. Mm-hmm. 
originally when they announced this, it had a different name. It was called like Lord of the Fallen. It's called or the Lords of the, the Fallen. The Lords or something like that. And then they just decided, you know what? Nope. We're just you know going to fuck it. No one remembers that piece of shit. So. <laughs> and they went back and just called it Lords of the Fallen. So don't be confused. This is an entirely new and different game, though a sequel mm. to the one from, was it 2013? 2013, 2014. Roughly around there. Yeah. yeah. So this game is like 10 years in the making, even more than Forza Motorsport. Well, they, didn't, they didn't start until much yeah. more recently because the idea that that game would get a sequel was kind of ridiculous for a long time. Yeah. And here we are. Um, it I, think is, it's, I think that first one sold a lot of units on deep discount. I think that's what happened. Uh, later on at like yeah. 20, 30, 40 bucks. Oh, stuff I'm like, like that. 5, 10. Oh, like that, that game. That game was, they were practically giving that thing away. I never long. played the original either. It wasn't good. Yeah. It wasn't good at all. No. Okay. It was. It was one of the first Soul Souls clones, mm-hmm. and uh, they hadn't figured it out yet. Uh, no. <laughs> well, Lords of the Fallen is also a Dark Souls clone, a Souls like, as the kids like to call them. It is an action RPG, a very challenging action RPG. Um, it does seem like it is really challenging based upon the chatter that I've seen online since people started playing it. How do you feel about that? Yeah, it's it's challenging. Um, they did uh, buff up the first couple bosses a bit more because I guess people were complaining they were too easy. Um, oh wow! I didn't, <laughs> I've never heard that before from a Souls like. You hear, hear it all the time from the Souls fans. It's a it's, it's like a, a badge of honor thing, thing to say yeah. this is too easy. Which is fun. I mean, they're just. I mean, look, they're all all Souls bosses are just fucking pattern memorization. They're all yeah. pretty easy when you come down to that. But like, until you start playing the ones that like do the feints. Where they act like they're going to strike and then don't, or they pause like before they. they well, like, that's what they did to one of the, the early bosses, where they sort of made her do that a little more. I mean, they mix, did the Elden Ring bosses did her, that mix a lot. Mix her stuff up more. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, so you are. I don't want. I don't want to shock you, but you are <laughs> a a nameless warrior in a dark fantasy world that has fallen into ruin and is under assault by the forces of evil and you have a magic thing that lets you come back to life repeatedly except without the currency to upgrade yourself um and you have to go fight through the legions of evil to save the world or not save i don't know now this is the big hook right that there's two realities the big hook is the umbral thing yeah so the the little lantern they have there is um a, it's the thing that brings you back to life, uh, but it is also your conduit to the umbral world. So that is the the afterlife for the land of the dead, basically, which is kind of like Soul Reaver. There's a there's a shadow world everywhere in the game, um, and you can go into it. Or like the medium, it's more like the medium because it's like what they just showed there with that like wall was in one world there were bars there and then you use the lamp and then the bars disappear and you can walk yeah. through it well i kept thinking of soul reaver because that's how soul reaver works yeah uh you just you have more freedom in how you get in and out of the world in this one uh, well not really it's the same more or less um you uh you can you can hold up the the lantern and uh it will let you treat whatever's in front of you as though it's the umbral world so you saw there like there was bars there and you held it up and there's no bars in the umbral world so you can just walk through it yeah this is also true of things like bridges uh that is riskier because if something attacks you while you're on the bridge holding the lantern, you put the lantern down, the bridge it goes disappears. away. It disappears. Oh, I didn't think. Because I didn't it's only that. while the lantern is illuminated. Oh wow! Right. 
Um, there's little things like that. There's enemies. So here you'll see like th there's little things you can pull on that will like alter stuff or give you an item or pull like down bridges or yeah, open you have like paths. a hook shot or something. Yeah, it's a soul soul rip. I think <laughs> something like that. Uh, you can also do that to enemies, which will pull their souls out briefly and stun them, so you can hit them for more damage. Well, the, so it pulls um, the soul out of their body, and then you attack the soul and not them, right? You can attack their That's body. That's what I saw in the B-roll. You attack their body. Uh, it does more damage that way. Um, there's other things you can do. You can upgrade the lantern lighter to mess with their soul. Like, mm. there's things you can do with that. Okay. Um, and then you have to recharge it by sucking out, like, little blisters. Because, like, there's a little... You see the little circular dot under the life bars up there? Mm -hmm. That indicates whether you have the power in the lantern to do the rip. Okay. And right now, he does not, because he used it. Um, there's a lot of HUD in this game. Like, what's the thing in the top right, the little... The eyeball? Yeah. That is the awareness of the forces of evil of your presence in the umbral. And as it get, gets bigger, uh, it will... They'll send more monsters after you. And eventually, like, these, like, little zombies will start spawning everywhere. And if it gets too high and turns red, like, this big... This, like, red Grim Reaper monster comes after you that you are not going to beat. And you have to... You have to find a way to get out of the umbral and back into the living world. Um... Which, Sounds kind of interesting. Which is, it's boring. Really? It's, I, I actually find it tedious. Wow, um, interesting. I really like, thought it sounded cool. But, well, the problem is, like, it's not it's not switching so much. It's just like having to remember, like, oh, if I can't get through here, maybe I can look at this, and then I got to go back in the Umbral world. And like Trial holding, and holding the lantern basically stops you. Like, uh, you have, and walking walking with it's really slow. And it's just, I just, it's just, it's it, like, it's a cool idea. But in practice, it just feels like you just needed a hook that made you different from Dark Souls. And it doesn't, it's not interesting enough to me to make me want to like stop the whole game and do that. The thing that's interesting, so you can't actually switch into the Umbral world whenever you want. Uh, you just have to find a very, there are specific way, only specific ways you can come back. You can either stop at the vestiges, which are the equivalent of a bonfire, or you can find these little like disembodied head things that let you, for one, one shot, jump back into the living world. The main gameplay mechanic that people are going to probably like the best out of it is what it means is the Umbral world is the is basically the land of the dead. Mm -hmm. If you get killed, you don't die. You get thrown into the Umbral world. They send you to the Umbral world. And you can world, keep right. fighting. And you can can you come back to the real world if you fight well enough? Uh you can if you can survive and find a place to jump back to. If you're in a boss fight, no. Okay. Um the difference in the Umbral world is when you jump back to the Umbral world, it, if you hit the Umbral world, it halves your, your life, and you have, like, gray in the life bar. The gray in the life bar, that also happens when you block attacks. Mm -hmm. You get that life back by hitting enemies. Okay. Bloodborne style. Yeah. If you get hit, you lose all your gray life. Oh. So that's your balance on that. So you go to the Umbral world, and you lose half your life but you can get all that life back by hitting enemies okay as long as you don't get hit in the meantime so that's sort of the balance on that all right um and that's sort of the so the umbral world is sort of more where like the puzzles um, it's a little more puzzly probably more puzzly than most dark Souls stuff is uh and it's how you kind of open new air new new ways like very early on one of the things they teach you with it is like um, you get to this area where there's not really anywhere else for you to go except this thing up top. And you can't get there because there's there's like a swamp. And if you walk too far into the water, you die. Okay. But in the Umbral world, there's no water. So you switch to the Umbral world and walk through freely. You have mm -hmm. to fight monsters and stuff down there because, you know, it's... Do you have to hold the lamp the whole time while you're fighting? No, if you you can switch into the into the world. Okay. So you hold the lamp up and then hold the X button on the and Xbox controller. And then swap for good. And you... you 
fully transition, lose okay. lose half your life, and do the thing. Gotcha. And then, but then you have to find a way back to the living world eventually. So then you go, you can go up through there and come back up, and you get back up there, and now you see, oh, there's a thing I could knock over to create a shortcut, so I wouldn't have to go through the water. I could just walk from the last checkpoint over to here where I need to go. But you can't interact with the real world really in the land of the dead so you have to fight your way through things to find a thing to bring yourself back to life and then go back and kick the board over and now you can cross that bridge and get to the boss i see so that kind of so that's sort of where the the umbral world comes in in that sense it's also cool it's also a bit of a punishment if you die like because like if you're you're being chased by more monsters um you lose half your life etc so but it does sort of function as a it feels good if you're, especially if you're souls, but it feels good that like you didn't actually die. Yeah. You get another chance. Right. Um, usually that's mulligan. not, usually if you're already going to die, you're, it's not going to help you that much. Yeah. Uh, that, this is also an interesting mechanic. This is a, there's, there's called these, I think they're called vestige seeds. If you find a, um, a little patch of flowers here, you can pull up your lantern and plant this, one of these seeds and it creates a bonfire. Oh, that's kind of cool. The trick is, that every time you plant one, the previous one vanishes. Oh, so it's sort of so. A lot of times you'll find those right outside boss fights. So basically, it's like a temporary, like a temporary checkpoint. Yeah. So you don't have to run all the way back. Right. Right. Um, the problem is, and I haven't experienced this as personally because I haven't finished. I've only played like ten hours of this. I've, I, I haven't remotely finished the game. But um, New Game Plus, there are no bonfires. Oh, geez. There are no vestiges with the equivalent of bonfires. They're all crumbled as part of the, the story. Mm-hmm. There's only those seeds. And you oh. get two seeds every time you beat a boss. So it's not like you're running out of seeds. But the problem is the last one still vanishes. Oh. And that's how you fast travel, oh, which right. means in New Game Plus, you cannot fast travel. Oh, wow. Screw that. Fuck yeah, you. screw that. Man. <laughs> that's, a, that's no fun. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's the question. Is this game fun? I don't. It, it sounds like you're annoyed by. I it. don't like it very much. I like the art. Um, the art is gorgeous. It's, it looks great. It's Unreal Five. You know, there's a lot of reviews like, "Oh, it's the first game that looks like the Unreal Five demos." No, it doesn't. It's not that. Good. Yeah, it doesn't look that. But good. like, it is very good. It's very, the, the 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 design is imaginative. Switching between the worlds is sort of. It has that sort of no loading feel where you're like, "Oh yeah, you couldn't have done this before." But they are doing it on the Xbox Series S. So what are you even right. talking about? Yeah. Um, it's just this, again, it's just a settings thing. Um, but it does feel. It does have a next gen feel to it. It uh, it, it it looks good. It looks for really sure. nice. Yeah. Uh, and there's and this is next gen only, by the way. This is PlayStation Five, Xbox Series only. And there is a. Um, I will say this. So I've been playing it on PC. Um, it w- was a mess at launch. As a matter of fact, it hard crashed after I created my character. Wow. Um, <laughs> I created my so, That's a first. <laughs> so you create your character. And then you get a little cutscene where that guy in the hat from the beginning of the B-roll talks to you, and then yeah. you spawn in this little pond, and you can walk out. That's the beginning of the game. It crashed as the camera was panning down to show me in the pond, so I had to. Cr- and it had a built-in crash reporter with a whole, a very full-featured crash reporter. So I'm like, oh, you knew, you knew this was gonna happen. Yeah. And I reload it. I load it back up, and I reload my save, and my character that I have just created is trapped inside of a root. No. And can't move, oh, so no. I had to delete her and do it again. <laughs> so that was your that was my first introduction to that. Now, to, now to be fair, and it has hard crashed several times. Really, um, 
performance is good. Like it performs. I have everything ultra maxed out, and it runs quite well. That's good. Uh, performance wise, it just crashes a fair amount, which is a problem for a game where you can't save whenever right. you want to. Oh my god, um, that's like a death knell. So for... I've lost some some progress here and there, but it hasn't been super bad. The checkpointing is actually not bad. Um, even and it does like auto save, like seems to auto save some. Like I've died, or I've not died. I've hard crashed and come back, and some items I've picked up are still there. Mm-hmm. So clearly, it's saving your inventory or something i don't know what's going on there uh there are people complaining saying that they've lost 20 30 hour long saves there was the attacking Um, the soul mechanic right there yeah that's a lantern that's that's a he's using some kind of inferno magic for that i use normal like swords and stuff which i don't have not to my experience worked on the souls so i think here's the point i was talking about so watch he grabs the soul pulls it out and then you attack the soul yeah so he's using magically imbued blades there and i don't think that actually did anything really Really. that i I didn't see the life bar drop anyway huh um this is cool though man like it's cool but walk very slowly across that for five minutes and see how cool you think it is (laughs) i hear you i can i can this is fine i mean i was that yeah um the other thing um uh, yeah, you also use it to like pull platforms and yeah. Like I said, you, you use it to interact with the environment, and that will go away if you s- switch back to the living world to come back. Like none of that's permanent. Yeah. Um, the other th- so um, there's weird thing. The combat in this is very weird to me, um, to the point that I started messing with it, and I started looking up like people who were like kind of, sort of experimenting with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it is rather poorly explained, and some like it's. Okay, so for instance, uh, like you, it's like standard Dark Souls style, there's weak attack and strong attack, right? Mm-hmm. On the bu- shoulder button, bu- 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 the shoulder buttons. Both of those attacks do the exact same amount of damage. Why? Nobody knows. If you, <laughs> if you, the hard, the heavy attack is chargeable. So if you charge the heavy attack, it does do more damage. But if you just tap it, it's if the you just same. tap it, it's the same. But it takes longer. Uh-huh. So what? Why, why wouldn't it do a little more damage if you tap it and then a lot more damage if you hold it? Nobody knows. Yeah, that um, should, be. should be that. The, the, one of the things, so, and this is just sort of me as a Souls player, I don't always lock on when oh, I'm really? fighting things. Sometimes if I know, if I'm fighting more than one enemy and I know that I'm going to get surrounded or, and there's a lot of multiple, you're fighting six, seven, eight, nine guys sometimes in this game. It's probably the most enemies I've ever fought at once in a Souls alike. Um, and here's cooperative play. And like, but like, if you're, you know, and I know which way to turn my guy, and I did, you know, I'm pretty good at that. The way the swings work in this game short circuit that completely. And it even does it when you're locked on because there's a weird thing where a bunch of the weapons you use as you do longer combos, you slide around the enemy. And the combo still stays locked on, but you pass the guy. And I've missed the fourth hit of my combo sometimes because he slid around the character and was no longer able to rotate fast enough to keep the lock on and hit them again, huh. which I've never had in one of these. It's It feels really slippery huh. in that regard. And the other thing is, and this is just something you got to get used to, but early on it's, it's different and I had a, some problems with it. This game has the longest recovery frames after an attack of any souls like I have ever played. Like I am Explain to people what you mean by that. I mean like so and this is a fighting game term term to some degree, but like when you do an attack in a in a game, um especially fighting games but also action and adventure, there's what's called startup frame, hit boxes and recovery frame. So the animation when you're starting up to do the hit, that's a that's a startup frame. You're not if you get hit when that's happening, you're going to get knocked out of your attack. 
you're not doing any damage yet. Mm -hmm. If you're in your hitbox section of the attack, now the sword is active. If it touches the enemy's hitbox, you're going to do damage. The attack is successful. After that part's done, you have what are called recovery frames, where there's a little bit of animation where your character sort of goes back into neutral position out of the attack, and in that period of time, you cannot do another attack, you cannot do another move, you are vulnerable briefly. Now, ideally, you have hit the enemy, and they do not have time to recover from their stun frames to go after you and still damage you after your during your recovery frames. That's called uh, an attack is either plus or negative. That's how many frames advantage you have after you hit something. So if you have if an attack is a plus two, that means that you have two more two that they have two extra frames of damage recovery than you have um, attack recovery. So they will never be able to hit you back. Right. If you have negative, if it's negative by on, the numbers, they won't be able. To if hit it's you negative back. on block, you ha you are vulnerable to a to a to a counterattack. Yeah. They can recover before you do. The recovery frames on the attacks in this game take forever. Like, even to just... Because Dark Souls generally does a thing where, like, you, a lot of the From games do a thing where even if you're in recovery, a lot of times you can sort of cheese it by dodge rolling out of it. Yep. Not present in this. Oh, geez. Um, it's... It was... That was the biggest adjustment was realizing how long it took to recover from even successful attacks. It seems like a lot of people who like this subgenre have said this game is challenging. It's hard. That's one of the reasons it's hard. Yeah. And you're either going to be able to deal with that or not. Now, I've played enough fighting games and adjusted it enough different fighting game, you know, like, designed systems that it wasn't that big of a change. But, like, it's hard to get past 10 years of fucking muscle memory. Like, I still mm -hmm. screw it up sometimes. Yeah especially during boss fights. The other thing that I think is interesting, so you see there he's dual wielding. Dual wielding, you drop about 15% of your attack uh, damage. Um, from, that's a trap. You don't want to get caught by that thing. Um, <laughs> Definitely not. So you don't want to get caught. You don't want to, but the, it kind of evens out. The thing that is weird to me about this game is you're doing about the same amount of damage no matter what your weapon you're using or how you're using it, dual-handed, sword and board. It's all about the same. It doesn't really matter. Well, that sucks. Which is weird. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that really matters is um, two-handing things. Like, where you hit the Y button mm -hmm. and, like, you two-hand. Yeah. That does a pretty appreciable bonus of damage. Except with short sword. It's usually about, I think, 15% But bonus. your attacks are also slower. They so. are slower, but you do about 15% more damage. Unless you're using a short sword, in which you do, like, 35% more damage, which I think has to be a mistake. Yeah, that might be a glitch. Um, the other thing that's interesting is, so I said that like when you block something, either with a, and by the way, shields are useless in this game. Uh, it's better to just use your weapon. There's to no, block with there's no extra block power from a shield. It's it, it, it resists elemental stuff, but you can use your weapon just fine for it. Okay. Um, until like later in the game, there's I think there's shields that do better, but like early on, all shields are roughly the same, and you don't really block any extra damage versus just blocking with a weapon. Yeah. So if you'd want to, if you want to run through in two hand or dual wield, you're really not losing anything, which is not common in these. Usually there's a significant disadvantage until you've leveled up more. Not, not true here. Interesting choice. Yeah. But the other interesting choice, which I actually like a lot, is like I said, when you block something, you take that gray health, right? Like the gray health, you can hit someone to get it back. If you get hit again, you lose it. Yeah. Get this. And as someone who's played enough of these games, I think you'll understand what the significance of this. If you block, your life can get taken down to make it full gray. Mm -hmm. You cannot be killed. You don't die. If you, I could have one hit point left. If I block effectively, I don't die. Wow. 
But if I don't get that health back by hitting, obviously I'm going to die. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. But you will never be killed while blocking that way. Unlike Dark Souls, where it can you still take damage, yeah, yeah. unless you're using a perfect shield. Right. Yeah. Um, so that is fascinating to me. Like you can stand there and, and just keep and blocking tank bosses, and they'll take all your life away, but you won't die. And if you can get enough hits in, you get about you thirty life back, back and you're doing all right. Keep going. Huh. Like, like that is a difference. I like that. That's a difference that I thought was significant, and I was like, "Ooh, that makes that changes my strategy for some of this stuff." I liked that. Mellow Pintor says it will take an exceptional Souls game for me to get to get me to try another one after Elden Ring. I do wonder that how many is, people there are like that, that out that there is right the, now. <laughs> that is the crux of this is when it comes down to it, like all the good and the bad. Like, I'm bored playing this game. Yeah. And it's not because the game is bad. It's because I personally cannot go back to the Souls format after Elden Ring. Right. Elden Ring changed the game and going back to this feels so primitive. And like the thing where it's like, well, you just have to get through this part. And if you're having trouble getting through this part, you got to throw yourself at it over and over again. And the fact that Elden Ring let me just want, go fuck off and do whatever I wanted and come back to it later, I'm sorry. That's what I need now. I mean, it changed everything for me, changes too. It changed everything. I mean, I mean, like, I played way more Elden Ring than any other Souls-like yeah. so, by a mile. So that is the difficulty here. The other thing, of course, is the technical problems. I will say this. They have already patched the game three times. Wow. Um, they are very actively paying attention to crash like the crash that happened when i create my character that's gone great they fixed that in that's the first good to hear, especially on pc like, they are they and they have put out messages that are like we are very actively monitoring all the crash reports send in the crash reports put in all your comments attach the files we are fixing this stuff as it comes in we have fixed this many crashes because you guys have given us feedback not you know purely mm-hmm. because you guys are going so so i will say this the devs the devs on this are on it that's like good. They are rebalancing stuff as people complain about it or run into problems with it. They are fixing crashes as they're reported in within days. Like they are, they are doing everything they can to make this game, uh, you know, responsive to the community and functional and get it all patched up. It's like they, I, like I said, that crash reporter on day one was super detailed. They knew this was uh-huh. gonna, this was coming, and they were ready for it. And I got to give them huge props for that. This um, game looks like a cross between. Visually, a cross between Bloodborne and Elden Ring. Yeah, like right in the middle of the two games, it feels like. Yeah, the, there's a lot of tendrils, which uh-huh. gives it a Bloodborne feel. I don't think it doesn't remind me of Bloodborne the same amount as Lies of P. Yeah, it plays well, gameplay wise. It plays yeah. way more like a like a standard Souls game. Yeah, um, just with like a little little differences. I don't find the Umbral thing to be very compelling. I think it's talking about it and thinking about it. Maybe it sounds more yeah. interesting than it is in practice. I think so. The it medium just, was kind of like that too, honestly. Yeah. Like watching the trailers yeah, for it, you're like, wow, that's cool. That's really cool. But then and you went to play oh. it and you're like, this just drags the experience down. And there's a lot of technical stuff. Like it is very, the Umbral version of the areas are very, diff- very, very different. Yeah, and yeah, the fact that that's really all are. held in memory simultaneously is, fa- is fantastic. It really is. Yeah. Like it's a technical achievement. I just don't think it's very... Does it make the game better? That's no, what matters I, in the end, you know. You know, I and I I feel like weirdly I feel like I would accept this this you know return to the old Dark Souls format easier if it was less like they're expecting you to really get your head around all these different systems pretty fast. It seems kind of complicated. It is. Honestly. It is rather complicated yeah. when you factor in the Emerald thing. And there's times early on where I got stuck and I'm like I don't know what to do. And uh-huh. I'm like oh you had to go in the Emerald. And to me like going to the Umbral is dying. Right. And I don't want to do it, but you're, you got to do it all the time. Uh-huh. And it's encouraged. Yeah. Um, and you find shortcuts and you find different ways that way. And it took me a while to kind of get used to the idea that like cutting your life in half is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And like it's not that hard to get back, come back to life. But like 
Well, the one thing to note is like, you know, as you and like having a fight with this many enemies, not that uncommon at times. Which but is a big deal if you're for in the this umbral long enough. Because the other thing about the umbral thing with the eye in the corner, the more vivid that eye gets, the higher the XP multiplier gets. Mm. So there's an XP multiplier that starts at 1.1 and can go up to, I think, four. Uh, so if you're if you're maximum you're being chased by that red grim reaper you're getting four x xp no oh. now obviously if you get killed you drop it yeah, yeah. Style, but you can go back and get it mm-hmm. or you have to sometimes it's like uh it is like bloodborne in the sense of sometimes the end i guess it's like they started that in the dark souls games where like uh, sometimes it just drops on the ground and sometimes the enemy who killed you has it and you have to kill that enemy to get it back i prefer when it falls on the ground matt yeah well <laughs> Uh, it's about 50-50 on this one. Is it really? I, I will not play this. Like Once I started catching wind that it's like one of the more challenging Souls-likes, I was like, it oh, is, good. It is definitely challenging. Yeah. Um, it is uh, very hard. I think in the end I probably do like it. If you're going to make me play this or Lies of P, I'm probably going to pick this. I would guess that that would be the case with you. Um, yeah. Just because it's... I, I think it... I think it does a better Dark Souls impression than Lies of Pete does a Bloodborne impression, oh. I guess would be the way I'd describe yeah. it. Yeah, um, It's clear where the influences are, but I think this one gets closer to what it's trying to do. Is this game 70 bucks? I can't remember. It's next-gen only, usually I they think are. It's six, I think it was 60, and oh, then really? there, was a, there was a deluxe edition for 70. Okay, for so PC, I'm, you mean? PC, on PC. I don't know about console. So, um, J.M. Rain, we know him very well because he's awesome, and he's always giving out subs in our chat. He's also a huge Souls-like player. He's, like, really pumped up to play this. Should he be? I mean, I think temper expectations in terms of, like, this This game feels like Dark Souls 4 in a way, like, is so reminiscent of Dark Souls 3. You know okay. what I mean? Like, yeah, I know what you mean. It yeah. feels it feels like in another timeline. This is if if they had Elden Ring didn't if Elden Ring if they didn't go open world with Elden Ring like this is probably what Dark Souls three would have been or Dark four. Souls four would have yeah. been. Yeah, you know what I mean? Okay, yeah, I get it. Totally. If they had stuck to the linear dungeon format, kind of like how we talk about Zelda, and it does open up a little bit when you get to like the main hub. It's the same format as every one of these. You start out, you have to fight at that. You got to go through the area. You got to fight the first major boss, and you get to the hub, and now you can upgrade your weapons. And upgrade. And now, so now when you first get to that hub with the with the merchants and stuff, one of them sells a key for an obscene amount of money uh-huh. uh, that you can then use to unlock a bunch of doors that you normally wouldn't get to until later, which are high level things which you probably can't handle. But if you're a Dark Souls person, you're probably used to running through stuff and avoiding things and grabbing materials, right. upgrading, coming back. So you can kind of once you get to the main hub you it's not as linear but it's not like elden ring where you can sort of choose a bunch of different places that are of the same sort of difficulty it's like you can either go the 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 golden path or you can go to these other places you're not supposed to be yet yeah and And it'll teach you very quickly that you're not supposed to be there but i mean you can do the dark souls thing where you can run through get some upgrade materials that you shouldn't have yet and Mm -hmm. like run back or just you know do suicide runs if you you know you just don't care you'll lose your souls you do that over and over again yeah that's a valid strategy too what about the story? Is it cryptic and just fleeting like it is in yeah, a lot just, of From Software yeah, games? it's the same thing. It's just yeah. the same sort of vague, dark No real overt nonsense. cinematics, really. Oh, no, just... there's, there's big cinematics. Oh, yeah? Actually, there's cinematic. What's one of my issues with it? Actually, now you mentioned that uh, when, you, when you fail at a boss, if there's a cinematic for the boss fight, you have to watch it again. You can skip it, but it still loads the cinematic in, and you have to skip it by holding the button down. And the guy, I'm like, just Dark Souls has it right, where it's like you see it once, yeah, you're you go good. back in, he's just fucking sitting there, and it's yeah, he's ready go. to go, you know? yeah. 
Um, but like, no, there's a bunch of, you know, like early on you run into these guys is like another lantern holder guy. And he's like, fuck you. I don't want to deal with that guy. I, I, I knew there'd be others, but oh, well, like, yeah. I'm not helping you. Yeah. And then he does help you in the first well, boss fight. If you yeah. summon him, it's just like, okay. <laughs> but he just complains about it the whole right, time. Right. Um, but yeah, so there's, but it's that thing. It's like you talk to like weird, crazy people and sort of piece together what's happening. But there's. You know, cutscenes where at the very beginning you see that one knight guy who's actually the guy who throws the lantern away and it resurrects you. You're mm-hmm. basically just a corpse in a in a coffin that his lantern happened to land on. When oh, he, interesting. When he threw it away because <laughs> he knew he was about to die. Lucky you. <laughs> um, and um, but there's like a there's a there's a guy like the main guy the main evil guy is like riding that big dragon. You saw in the mm-hmm. cutscene. He basically yeah. has the mouth of Sauron. He's got like a big drooly mouth it drips like maggots or something yeah and then <laughs> it drips um, like maggots or something yeah and then like and then i like, guess things where it's like you saw like the first that boss where he's fighting like the giant the woman with the, the woman who's like got the giant butterfly wings yeah or angel wings yeah thing. like she's got a cutscene and she's just covered in blood that's dripping off her infinitely for some reason and she's like it's like we will be they're the religious zealots of some kind yeah. and it's like it's like oh the infidels are here and now i'm gonna like kill you and it's mm-hmm. like okay um so it's like yeah Part it's, for the course and it's it takes place a thousand years after the first game, and the first game wasn't a very positive place to be anyway. So it's clearly just gotten worse. <laughs> there are apparently references and like tie-ins to the first game story, but I don't know what they are because I, I wonder if anyone will ever make a Souls like that isn't like dark fantasy. What could you imagine like a day glow like? Yeah. <laughs> like, it, do you think I don't know if it would work? Like it would just seem so out of place. No, I think. Like, I think there's something to be said for the idea of like a like a happy tree friends style right. thing, yeah. yeah, like where you're just like mercilessly hacking like candy colored <laughs> bears to yeah. death. And sh- yeah, there's that's there's, next. There's a tiny Tina Wonderland's angle to this right. somewhere in there. Yeah, I don't know if that would really fly with the core fan base. I think they'd hate it, but uh, <laughs> some would like. I, I mean, I would play that. Yeah, it would be different. And we're getting to the point now with this subgenre, we kind of need different. Yeah. Um, um, so do you recommend people buy it? I don't know. Is it a know. thumb up from you? It's it's another kind of sideways thumb. Yeah. I think. I mean, part of it for me, I'm just really burned out on the orig- the old Souls format. Yeah. Without a major twist to make it something special. Yeah. Like Sekiro was. Mm-hmm. Um, not that that was after Elden Ring, but yeah. like. And it tested. I went back and I uploaded up my uh, my PC Elden Ring save, and I played that for like three hours yeah, and didn't even realize it. Right, right like into it's just, it. Like yeah. it's, it's not that I'm sick of the genre or the gameplay. It's that this one is just it's sick just, of the old. It feels style. old. Yeah, it feels old to me. Despite how new and shiny and gorgeous it looks, um, I'm just not super interested in learn in learning another set of like arcane systems to hack my way through. What is yeah definitely harder than the, the other Dark Souls games mm-hmm. so far with all the different things in play and like you got this and you know, there's other things where it's like you see an enemy with a blue health bar and that means that they've got an umbral demon that's empowering them and you got to pull the lantern up and suck the demon out and kill them while they're trying to hit you with all this right. shit. Um, I mean it's just it's no thanks. <laughs> it's um, Barry it's Little a lot. says we either need different or just a break. Please God, lol. And I love these kinds of games. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. yeah, it's it's. It just, looks like a lot of people in our chat are saying after Elden Ring, I need more time still. Yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. I mean, and Elden Ring is just it changed the it changed the game and and you also have Lies of P that just came out like a few weeks ago and yeah, which sold a million copies by the way. The thing is, is like I think this is probably a better game overall in terms than of Lies of P. Lies of P. But the thing about is Lies of P is really the first Bloodborne clone. Mm-hmm. It's 
there have been tons of Souls clones. Yeah. Liza P is is imitating something that has not been imitated much. People so want it. Liza yeah. P would probably feel fresher uh, in that regard. Yeah. I don't like it very much. Mm-hmm. But if I was going to... Basically, I would say if you're a giant Souls veteran and you just want more Souls, Lords of the Fallen. If you're a giant Souls veteran and Elden Ring kind of ruined you and you kind of want something a little different, Liza P. Okay. Or even better, just just take a break. Yeah. Play a different game. Yeah. Different genres. For me, it's just like, yeah, I would get into this, but Spider-Man's in like four days, and I don't really need to deal with this right now. (laughs) I'm pretty excited for that game. So anyway, there you go. That is Lords of the Fallen, only available for PC, PlayStation 5, and Xbox Series. And uh, Matt gives it a half a thumbs up, very dependent upon kind of where you're I'll give it like a 7. 7 out of 10. All right. Um, not that I finished it or anything, but like, yeah, it's it's fine. It's it's very it's very pretty. Like it it's pretty, like like if yeah. you if you if you go through these games largely because you want to see like fantastical and interesting worlds and monsters and things like this is a this is one of the best. We can see that in the B roll yeah. for sure. Yeah. All right, there you go. That is Lords of the Fallen. Next up, we're gonna talk about another game that I played this week, and it is a sports game. And I know you guys, so I'm not gonna talk about it very long. Um, but it is something that a lot of us who play sports games have been waiting for. And in this particular case, a subgenre that people who don't typically play sports games might be interested in as well. Because we have not received an arcade-style football game in a really, really long time. There was NFL Blitz. That's gone away. There was NFL Street that EA did. That has gone away. It's really crazy to think about it. We haven't had an arcade-style football game for a really, really mm-hmm. long time. And now there is one, and it's called Wild Card Football. Now, the thing about this game... I mean, game, a lot of people thought that, that this kind of game was pointless if you didn't have the NFL license. Right. And this game does not have the NFL license. However, it does have, as you see right there, the NFL PA license. And I, mm-hmm. Matt, I have never seen a sports game that only took one of the licenses and not both. But the thing is, is this is a really smart move. As you can see, there's Patrick Mahomes. It has all the big superstars from the NFL in this game. Now, obviously, as you're seeing in this footage, it's nothing like a real NFL game. I mean, that happened in the Chargers game this weekend. I don't know if you saw that. (laughs) That was just last night, actually. Um, And, again, we don't really get arcade-style football games anymore. No one's making them. And so I think they made the right decision here. Because I'll say one thing, Matt. I do feel like in the last four or five years with the NFL – that individual players have become bigger than the shield, as the NFL says. Mm-hmm. Meaning that players like Mahomes are bigger than the NFL. And so if you can get away with doing this, I'm surprised the NFL allow this, honestly. And that their licensing groups allow this, where you can split them up and not get both licenses. But From what I understand, they do not have a choice. The Players Association is its own thing. Really? And I'm sure that's in the CBA that they signed with the yeah. NFL. Um, and they were smart because now... All these NFL stars are in a, a game that's completely different. And the most important part of it is you can see them. So in NFL Madden, like 90% of the time, you can't even tell who the players are because they always have their helmets on. In this, like they have their helmets on, but all the cutscenes have them without their helmets. You really get to see what the players really look like. Now, one thing I will say about it, though, is that because this is an arcade-style football game, you don't really get the signature traits of the players. They all kind of bleed together. Like, um, 
like a scrubby second wide receiver on the Lions really is just as good as like Justin Jefferson on the Vikings, who right now is probably the best wide receiver in the NFL. Um, and so there isn't as much variance with the players, but I feel like the game itself kind of makes up for it. Um, so it is seven on seven arcade style American football for those of our friends in Europe who are watching or listening to this right now. Um, there are just two primary modes. There's Dream Squad, as you're seeing right there, which is basically their take on Ultimate Team Mode from Madden. And then there's just a Season Mode, where you just play through a set number of games and try to win the league or whatever. As you can see right here... Loot boxes. Yep, the Dream Squad Mode has loot boxes. However, there is no way to pay real money for the loot boxes in this game. It is all purely earned to pl or play to earn. Um, so there's nothing that you can pay for in this. It gives you an advantage. You can't play, pay for better players. And the other thing I would say, too, is that, like, there's no reason to because, again, they've kind of leveled the playing field with the players. Like, you don't really get the signature abilities of each player when you play this. Um, so as I said, there's the NFLPA license, but no NFL license. Um, but you, So they did create their own, like, stadiums, their own team logos, their own coaches. However, this game does have Colin Kaepernick in it, which... Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of NFL teams right now that have really crappy quarterbacks, but nobody will give him a chance because he already sued the NFL and they paid him out for it. And the owners are just like, well, screw you. You already got paid. Uh, but they did put him in this game. In fact, he is like the cover athlete for this game, which I think some it'll appeal to some people and it'll piss off some people. Um, it'll piss off the right people. <laughs> yeah. Or it'll piss off the wrong people and make the right people happy. Is that the right way to say it? Maybe. <laughs> anyway. Um, the, each game is two minute. It's quarters. pretty clear that he's not. The reason he's not playing has nothing to do with his ability to play football. Well, he has been out of the league at this point for like four years. I, I think now at this point he probably is a little too old to play. But that was not the case for the last like three years or four years or whatever. I mean, you gotta try everything. Yeah, as the as the Niners have found out. Yeah, yep. So the game has two minute quarters. You can play through a whole game of this in like ten minutes, which is perfect for an arcade style game. Um, you do create your own dream team. You choose from hundreds of the genuine pro players. And, of course, they're reimagined with, like, this weird, like, goofy, like, cartoon, cartoon style or whatever. Um, and you do try to uh, create the, the perfect seven-on-seven -seven team. The twist in this game, though, is that before every play, there's these things called wild cards. And you can turn it off if you want to, but it is kind of – it's the namesake of the game. It's wild card football. And so basically before every play, you select a wild card. And the wild cards are like buffs or debuffs or special abilities. Like you can select one that makes the opponents run slower. You can select one that makes like tar pits appear in the secondary. You can make you can use one that makes a wall appear. Or there's just simple ones that make your players run more quickly or be more powerful. But the thing is the defense is doing the same thing. They're also selecting cards. And sometimes you may select like super speed for your team. And then they select anti-speed, and it, like, wipes everything out. So there's this weird element of it before every play where you have to do this. I feel like it kind of slows the game down. And honestly, while some of the stuff is kind of cool to see, it didn't feel like it changed the gameplay all that much. I, I didn't feel like it did anyway. But in the Dream Squad mode, and again, it is the mode that most people should play, um, you create your own team logo, your own color scheme, you create custom uniforms... And then you open up your packs. And when you first start the game, you have like 10 packs or whatever. You get all your players. And I'll say this too. The interface for it is way better than the interface for, for Ultimate Team and Madden. Like Ultimate Team's menus and everything are confusing. They found a more elegant way to do it in this. Something that EA can definitely learn from, without a doubt. Um, 
Anyway, you open your packs and you get your players and you make sure that you have a, your best starters at every position. You go out and you go and you play. Um, let's see. You, you earn your cards. All are earned in game, as I said. You can't pay for them. And the unlocks seem pretty generous. After almost every game I played, I unlocked at least two or three players. And then a selection of wild cards. Because there's like 150 different wild cards in this game that you can choose before each play, which is kind of crazy. Um, what else? Oh, as you, when you first start playing in Dream Squad, all the players suck. That's another thing that like takes away all the uniqueness of having the NFL PA license is that when you start playing a dream in the dream mode, all the players are rated like 40 out of 100 or whatever. And then as you use them, they level up and they become better. So it is kind of cool in that the more you use a player, the better he gets. But at the same time, it takes away a lot of the personality of actually having the NFL players in the game. Um... Oh, the other thing I would say, too, is that leveling up the players takes a really long time. You unlock players quickly, but actually leveling them up takes forever. I don't know that people are going to stick with this game long enough. Like, you can get daily bonuses, too, but, like, who's going to come back to a game like this every day after the first week that they own it? Like, I feel like they've... It, it brings up a question, Kids. Matt. Do you design a game assuming that people are going to play the living crap out of it, or do you design a game being more realistic knowing that they're not going to? How do you manage that situation? I don't know. That's a tough one, right? It's like you want to make you want to assume your game's going to do well, and if it does, then you need to design the game that way so it keeps doing better. But if you're realistic, this is a little indie football game. It may not do that well, so maybe you should design it for the more moderate sized audience that you're actually going to have. I don't know. It's you're not going to advertise it on NFL NFL games, that's for sure. Right. It's a tough situation for a developer to be put in. I mean, I had no idea this game existed. Yeah. Until, until today. Why? When I saw it, it caught my eye immediately because obviously there hasn't been an, a real arcade style NFL blitz style game for a really long time. And I was like, oh, like, and I just, when I first saw it, I had just finished playing Madden and I was, you know, if you remember my review of that from here on Game Face, I wasn't all that enthused with Madden this year. So I was kind of like looking for something and it just like popped up like the first trailer for it launched like the next day or something like that. So um, one smart thing that they did do with this, the controls are basically identical to Madden. So turbo, jukes, dives, jumping up to catch the ball, all that stuff is stolen. The control scheme is lifted directly from Madden. That is absolutely the right call. Because if anyone's playing video game football, they're playing Madden. They already have the muscle memory with their hands. Like, for example, when I play Madden, I have muscle memory. Like, I tap circle, which selects the player closest to the ball, and I roll my thumb up to triangle. And that the triangle is jump up and make the catch. So when I'm in the secondary and the ball's coming in, I just do that move. I roll my thumb across the circle to the triangle. My guy, I will change the guy to the guy closest to the ball, and then he'll jump up and try to catch it. Everything like that from playing Madden is in this game. So you can hit the ground running really as soon as you start playing this. Now, another quirk oh, about Stillers, I guess. That's, I named them that, yeah. yeah. Another quirk about this is every time you hike the ball, there's a little quick time event that takes place. And the quick time event, like, I didn't even notice it the first, like, three games I played. Oh. And once I noticed it, I realized, because it, it's a little bit, like, people may be looking at this and saying, like, it looks like Tecmo Bowl, because you only have, like, eight offensive plays to choose from, and you only have, like, eight defensive plays to choose from, but it's not like Tecmo Bowl in that you're trying to guess the play of the offense, and if that happens, you get the jailbreak blitz that just ends the play. However, if you don't play do the quick time event quickly at every snap, then there is a jailbreak. And so, discovering that, like, completely changed how I played the game as well. 
Um, so there's actually like a good bit of depth for this game compared to most arcade-style football games. And also the fact that you can play it just like Madden helps people play the game and hit the ground running when they do jump in, which I thought was a really good idea. Um, what else? There's no audibles at the line of scrimmage. That's a huge omission. So if you go up to the line of scrimmage and you can tell that the defense called like a, a run-stopping play and you've called a run, there's nothing you can do. So in that way, it is a little bit like mm. Tech Mobile. Like in that case, they will storm in and they will sack you and there's really nothing that you can do about it. Um, so there are some analogs to classic Tech Mobile, but not as much as you might think by watching this. It really is more like NFL Blitz than like a Tech Mobile. Um, and that's pretty much it. It's, uh, it's like a $30 game, so it's pretty cheap. Um, a lot of it will depend on if you get hooked on it. There's online play. Uh, like I said, it has the um, its equivalent of Ultimate Team Mode, which is what most people play in Madden, and it's handled very well, and I actually think the menus are done better in this than they're done in the Madden games. It plays just like Madden, so you can jump in and start playing pretty well right away once you uncover its quirks. And if you don't like some of this stuff, it does allow you to turn a lot of it off, like the wildcard stuff that you're seeing right there. Like, if you don't like it, turn it off. But again, it's what the game is named after, so you might want to at least give it a try. And there are some cool things that happen when you use those, like having like the the La Brea tar pits out in the secondary, and if you can force people into them and they run in mud. Um, and if you're strategic with your cards, and every card, so see the green dots below, like up on the top there? That tells you like how many card points you have. And the better cards cost you more card points. When you get down to where you don't have any blue dots left, you can't use any cards anymore. So it's like this yin and yang of like knowing when to use them because you don't know when the opponent's going to use them or not either. Um, and so it does add like an element to the game that's different from other sports games. Um, I think your mileage will vary depending on how, or as far as how, as how much you're going to enjoy them. So it's hard for me to say whether they're awesome or they suck. I kept with them. I kept using them. Um, I don't know if other people will or not, but if they don't want to, they can just turn them off. So I actually had a good time with this. It's the first entry in the franchise. It plays well. It looks okay. A lot of the crazy over-the-top, or you're seeing one right there, the over-the-top tackling animations look pretty cool. There's some pretty crazy ones that will make you cringe. They look so painful. Um, so look, if we're not going to get an NFL Blitz from Midway, we're not going to get an NFL Street from EA, I think this is a pretty good facsimile. It's kind of a blend between the two of them. Um, and again, I think they were smart by going for the NFL PA license without having to chuck out the extra cash for the NFL license. I think overall there's a lot of smart decisions made with this game, and I think the second entry will probably nail a lot of the stuff down. It's a little loosey-goosey in the first outing, but I think it's really an auspicious debut for this franchise. Um, it really would be nice if this ended up on Game Pass hmm. because I feel like this is the type of game that could really receive a huge boon if people actually just gave it a chance and started playing it. Um, but on the flip side of it, there's no microtransactions. So if you put it on Game Pass, you're just hoping that it convinces people to buy it or just play it. Um, instead of generating a ton of revenue off of it, other than the money that Microsoft's going to give you for having it on its service. But anyway, the game is wildcard football. It's available for pretty much everything, actually. I think it is available for everything but mobile. Um, so if you're into it and you miss arcade football like I did, um, it is more than functional, more than fun. I had a really good time playing it, and you can buy it for anything. Um, and it is completely different. Again, I think this appeals to people who don't like real NFL football, but still enjoy playing sports games in the competitive angle of playing sports games. So I had a lot of fun with it. Don't want to spend a ton of time on it because I understand that you guys aren't, a lot of you guys aren't big sports fans, but I had fun with it. It wouldn't be a bad idea for this developer. I think it's Saber Interactive. 
um, to start looking at other sports and giving it this kind of treatment. Although I think it did do maybe a soccer game not that long ago that wasn't as good. So maybe that's a fool's errand. But I had a lot of fun with it. It's called Wild Card Football, and it's available for everything right now. Any questions, Matt? Nope. <laughs> I'm going to look at chat, but I'm, I have a guess, I'm guessing nobody has any questions. Um, not Wait, I think people are talking about the license or whatever. Yes, not the NFL, though. I was answering to Shane's comment about the NFL allowing them to do this. No, I don't think it allows it. I mean, it's, a, it's in their contract. So there's um, the NFL Players Association signs a contract with the NFL called the Collective Bargaining Agreement. And that's where everything is laid out. And like... Once the players agree to that stuff, there's no whining. Like when I see players complain about like, well, that's not fair. It's like, you signed the CBA. Don't sign the CBA if you don't like it. So this was a part of the CBA, obviously, that um, they could create games just based on the NFLPA license and they don't need to tag on with the NFL license and pay the extra cash. So, um, I mean, the, the Players Association is basically their union. Mm-hmm. Like they are, they are adversarial to the NFL when necessary. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When they go to sign a new CBA, like, they may go on strike if they can't come to an agreement with the NFL. So they're not buddies. Um, Jerry Vic 7 says, Shane, it's all pro football 2K8 with the Legends players, but not the NFL license. That was the other example. Um, also, newest super mega baseball has many legends from MLB without MLB license. Okay, cool. Um, I don't think you guys have any questions. Mellow Pintor says Kaepernick makes a comeback. That's wild. I mean, this is the only way it's really going to happen, honestly, is for something like this. So, uh, Scorpio is fine. So, it's got real NFL players? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's got, I don't think it has all of them, but I was shocked at how many it had. Like, even some of the two-bit players, like the second tight end on the Houston Texans was in there. So, they've gone pretty deep with the players. I think they have the license for all of them, and maybe... Mm-hmm. DLC, they roll out more player packs or whatever. They should, they should do some like all all timer classic teams. Yeah, stuff. yeah. Like get the seventy Steelers, mm-hmm. the eighties Niners, like all that stuff in there. Like I don't know if that license is for all like legacy players. Though. I don't know how that works. I don't know. Yeah. But if I were them I'd try to figure it out. Sure. Yeah, because you're again you're not selling stuff. So if you want to sell DLC player packs, that you yeah. might be able to sell that. You so could, you could sell the Bears. The Bears, <laughs> the 85 Bears, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so anyway, there you go. Good I, tribute to Dick Butkus. Yeah, <laughs> that's wildcard football and is available for every platform. Kind of amazed that guy lived as long as he did considering the era of football he played in. Who? Dick Butkus. Yeah, he made it to 80, which gives me and hope. I, and that dude was not taking it easy <laughs> no, on the No, he field. wasn't at all. That's for sure. Tough, tough man. Absolutely. Um, so anyway, well, let me look at the time here. It looks like we're going to have time for Name That Game this week. Uh, but before we do that, here's a word from our sponsor, soundwizardry.com. Experience the realm of extraordinary audio with Sound Wizardry. With a decade-long journey in sound design, we animate your movies and video games with the breath of sound. Our wide-ranging services include sound design, foley, sound mixing and mastering, audio implementation, dialogue mastering, and the crafting of unique sound effects from freshly recorded material. Our portfolio contains Baldur's Gate 3, Steven Universe, Alan Wake 2, Gwent, Cyberpunk 2077, and more. Visit soundwizardry.com and let us transmute your vision into an auditory marvel.
Once again, a huge thank you to soundwizardry.com for sponsoring GameFace. Uh, if you have any sound needs, requirements, whatever, uh, they do consulting, they do hands-on stuff, and obviously their resume is amazing. And in fact, the owner of soundwizardry.com let me know that you guys should maybe be a little more excited for Alan Wake 2 than you currently are. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> he worked on the game. I trust him. Um, and so he's also worked on Baldur's Gate 3. What an amazing resume that they have there. Um, again, if you have any sound needs, if you're working on your own podcast and the audio sounds like crap, like I've had to reach out to them for, anything like that, they're a great resource. And again, even just consulting, if you're going to, if you have a project, you have audio coming up on, you can work with them to make sure that you get it all locked down. So thanks again to soundwizardry.com. And with that, it's now time for... That's right, it's time for Name That Game, where I show you five screenshots from a video game and you try to guess the name of the game before Matt Kyle. There's a couple rules that we follow before we get going. Uh, the first is if you've won this year, do not play. You can only win once every calendar year. Number two is that the chat goes into slow mode. So don't just spam the chat with game titles. You can only send one message every 60 seconds. And then the third thing is if you don't play PC games or you don't know someone who plays PC games, please do not play because if you win, you win a free PC game. We give you a code for a free PC game and we wanna give the codes out to people who are actually gonna play it. So if you don't have a PC, you're not into PC gaming or you don't know someone who is that you can give the code to and we're totally cool with that. If you don't want the code, you wanna give it to someone, it's yours to do whatever you want with. But if the code is just gonna to go to waste, then please just don't play because there are people who are very, very excited, let me tell you, when they win and they get the free code. So let's not take that away from them. Um, actually, name, this name that game I had for last week's show, but we ran out of time. And so it actually saved me pre-production on this week's show to have this one done already. Um, and I'm not going to give any hints on this one. And I'll be honest with you, I have no idea how many screenshots this one's going to take. Usually I think I have a rough idea, and I'm usually wrong, but usually I have a rough idea. This one I really don't know. So we'll see. Are you ready, Matt? Sure. Are you guys ready for name that game? Here we go with the first screenshot. NFL Blitz 2000, no. Hmm. <laughs> That'll be a rough field for yep. that. Either you know that texture or you don't. That's what this one will come down to. Gears 2, no. I've noticed in the last few weeks that we've played this. Oh my gosh, somebody got it already. <laughs> we have a winner already. Climax 83. We have a winner. That is Bloodborne. Believe it or wow. not, that is Bloodborne. Great job, man. Holy crap. <laughs> That's impressive. Like I said, I had no idea. I knew that like Bloodborne fans are like huge. You know, they really know mm -hmm. the game really well inside and out. Um, and you do kind of traverse, go back and come back to areas so they may be familiar with textures, but wow. All it took was the bricks and you knew exactly what it was. Awesome job, man. Really, really good job. Um, so again, second guess. Yeah. The second guess. I'm surprised more people didn't guess it because you know, there's a delay. Mm -hmm. Um, but look, he was the only one that really got it. Oh, their mellow Pintor way later said Bloodborne. But Climax 83, good job, man. I'll Suspiciously show you. Suspiciously later. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, I'll show you the rest of them. Here's the second one. Mm, yeah, the Hunter's Dream. Would that have given it away I for you? I would have known that one. Yeah. yeah. Here's the third one. 
just some crazy plants that is in one section of the game pretty predominantly. Here's the fourth one. You can see the little piece of the red moon there in the top left. I just left a little bit of it in there to help you guys out. And then here's the last one. By then, the totality of all the images, I think everybody would have got it at that point. But anyway, there you go. Congratulations. That's Blood Bloodborne is the winner. Another round of applause for you. It's been a while since we've had one on the first one, I think. Toon Medic guessed it way later. <laughs> uh, Mellow Pintor gifted a tier one sub to Zet Saber. Awesome, man. Thank you. Okay, let's see. We have, yeah, we have about five, eight minutes um, for Q&A. Go at Sifted Games in chat. It makes it easier for us to pluck them out of all the madness in our chat. And we'll answer a couple questions here before we go. Um, let's see what we got. Oh, we got a first time chat ever. And we're definitely going to answer the question. Look, any of you guys who watch the show and just sit there quietly and just enjoy the show, if you ever ask a question at Q&A as your first time chat, we promise that we will answer your question every single time. Um, and here's one from Quickster. Welcome to Game Face on Twitch. Thank you very much for supporting us. Uh, three years in, and Forza is the first Microsoft first party game to include ray tracing. Why do you think Microsoft has so many issues developing for its own hardware? It seems like Xbox is the only console where the best looking games are third party. I don't know that I can say any of that's wrong. No, yeah, I mean, they haven't really put a lot out. For I mean, party, look at like so. Halo Infinite. Definitely not one of the better looking games on Xbox Series no. X. Like Forza isn't. Like Redfall isn't. Definitely not. Starfield isn't. Although it's up there. But in places, but like, but you know, still not. We'll That's about, a good question. We'll see about Hellblade. Yeah, Hellblade so That's far good. looks like it might be on mm. that top shelf. I mean, the first we one, haven't seen much. The of first it. one was if you run yeah. it with everything on on a PC. Like, they, they they got it. They got the spirit. We'll see. Do you think maybe the problem is is that they're making these games for PC? No, I think the and they just can't scale it enough on Series X. I think the problem is they're they've all been somewhat troubled productions except yeah. starfield which is just i mean starfield is starfield it's do you think they're writing to the metal on series x i think they're getting them done yeah i don't even know what writing to the metal means anymore. it means like just developing for that very specific piece of hardware that would be stupid though because you can't write to the metal because you know well, it depends if you're you have qui to... if you're quickster and you're like all your first party games look like crap sure is it stupid it is stupid because it has to work on the series s which is apparently the most important thing ever in the history of the world <laughs> so but i think it would be smarter at least to prioritize series x over pc because you're going to sell and, and attract way more people on console than you are on pc well but what are they doing that prioritizes pc well, the games often look way better on PC than they well, do on Series gonna, X. They're always going to look better on PC. Yeah, I mean, it's, at least a little bit. But to me, it seems pretty drastic, honestly. It's largely because of the resolution they can do. Yeah. It's a hardware limitation. It's, it's, yeah. it's a setting. It's a setting bump. It's a slider. It has nothing to do with what they're doing with the But, the I mean, design. certain developers are better at getting performance out of hardware. Look at Naughty Dog on any PlayStation console. Like Until There are certain developers that are just better. Sure, but like that's just not what anybody's doing. Because A, the, the Sony people don't have to get it to run on the PS4 still. Mm -hmm. that, that helps. And on top of that, like Starfield was never going to look like Last of Us 2 remake. Because it took remade. so too long to make, mostly. No, because they're using the fucking the same engine yeah. they've been using for 4, 15 like years. 30 years like, old. There's animations in that game that are clearly from Oblivion. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. Like, it's just... <laughs> 
it's, <laughs> I get it. Like it's you, there's a bit. It's a big thing to make, and, it, and there's a lot of new stuff in there that obviously has no precedent in their other games. But there's a reason people say it's Fallout in space. Yeah, because it is Fallout. It's in a space. refinement of Fort, uh, Fallout Four. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, let's see. We got time for maybe one more, maybe two more. Forts. I don't know. Maybe they traded ray tracing for the rest of the game's personality. I don't know. What? Any thoughts on what may have precip- precipitated Pete Hines' exit from Bethesda? We can all speculate on a lot of things, but he's a huge loss for Microsoft. Um, been there for twenty almost quarter twenty four years, quarter of a century, and he's old enough and has enough money to retire and enjoy his life. Yeah. I think that's I think it's exactly what he said in the in the message. Yeah. I don't think he's he's not he's a straight shooter. So what he wrote, even in the thing he put on Twitter versus the thing he put on Facebook, which is a little more elaborate on Facebook, he's telling the truth. Like he's been doing this for twenty four years. I mean so have we, but we're we're not retiring, but he has a lot more money than us. Um and I think to Matt's point earlier, it's like if you work at Bethesda you go in like a five or six year cycle. Yeah. And he like, they just launched Starfield. And he had mentioned it in his message. Like, we just launched Starfield. I felt like this was a good place to exit. And so he's looking at it. He's like, okay, Elder, next Elder Scrolls game. That's probably not here for another four or five years. Do I want to go through four or five years of promoting the next Elder Scrolls game like I just did for Starfield? He just said no. And the other thing, too, we talked about earlier is like, when a company is bought and merged, a lot of times there's redundancies and like, while he wasn't redundant, they kept him on. Like there could be other people in the organization that he's button heads with or he's competing with. And maybe he <laughs> wanted like a pathway to move up inside of Microsoft and get out of Bethesda and that didn't present itself. There's a million things that could have caused him to want to retire. But most likely. He's set financially. He's just, he's just time to retire. He's had an amazing career and he's a good dude and he has hobbies like that he enjoys. Like he travels a lot anyway. Also, you're about to walk into the the fire of an Elder Scrolls game. Yeah. I'd I'd probably retire too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> It's like, well, do I want to do this or do I want to, you know, wait around for five years and then he have just to dealt with all the Starfield crazies yeah. and all the fanboy crap over that? Like, you just get to a certain point and you're just like, you know what? Like, I'm done. <laughs> and he's what? He's like, he's he's older than us. He's, oh yeah, he's coming up on mid fifties at least. Yeah, mid, mid late fifties. Yeah, it's time. It's time. He's- crazy wealthy you're talking about either retiring in your mid 50s where your guy can go go do some stuff and have some fun or like retiring in your 60s where who knows what's going on yeah so i think he's making the right choice i agree yeah he should if i could do it I, if i could do it i would do it too at his age i'm not ready to retire yet i still actually enjoy working believe it or not um gohan rage thank you for twitch prime man that's awesome i hope you're doing good jm rain 99 thank you for gifting tier one subs to the crew in chat you're awesome as usual <sighs> Um, oh, here's a good one from Congrim, although maybe a little bit earlier, but I think it's a good, fun question to end the show on. Congrim 1. In the spirit of Halloween, what is the most paranormal, unexplained event you've ever experienced? Oh, nothing. Nothing? Nothing is paranormal and nothing is unexplainable. We what? just don't have the explanation yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. I don't believe I have it. never had anything happen to me that was <laughs> any kind of paranormal, supernatural anything. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't believe in the paranormal at all. However, when I was really young... Um, we lived out in the middle of nowhere and there was this writer or poet, I can't remember what, what it was, whether she was a novelist or a poet. Her name was Ida L. Reed and her old house was like a, like a state landmark or whatever. And it was like a mile away from us. And it was like in between my friend's house and my house. And so I'd ride past it on my bike all the time. As we got older, my sister and I, we would go there at nighttime to try to scare ourselves. And so we would go into this old house and it's got a bunch of old furniture and it's all dusty and spider webs and stuff everywhere. And all it would take 
is just a rat or something to just move a little bit and we would go pew and we'd run out of that house so while i don't think there was actually paranormal stuff in there when we were young we were gullible enough to believe that it might be possible so we go into this house we thought it was a haunted house and if anything in there would move we would lose our minds and run out of there screaming so that's probably the closest i ever came to a paranormal experience although i'm with matt i don't believe in the paranormal at all i don't believe in the supernatural i don't believe in the paranormal i believe in reality and that's pretty boring but that's just how i feel i mean uh, it'd be really cool yeah but like nope yeah Every, everything that's been even slightly weird has turned out to be a branch against a, t- a window or a <laughs> you always find out what cloth it is, hanging on a, on a tree or is, is it mm-mm. yep well that's gonna do it for game face episode 362 thanks to everybody who supports us all our patrons the people who are doing twitch prime you guys are awesome we really appreciate it thanks to everybody who shows up live in chat fact checks our show live so we don't have to do a goofy segment every episode where we go over the stuff we got wrong the last time we really appreciate all of you you guys are awesome um if you're listening to this show on any of the podcast services or if you're watching it on youtube first of all please go help us out with twitch prime it is free it costs you nothing We'd really, really appreciate it. If you want to support us on a more permanent basis, please head to patreon.com slash sifted. That's S-I-F-T-D. You can pledge whatever you want per month and you get something no matter which tier you pledge at. And we'd really appreciate it. That's the best stuff that can happen for us because it lets us plan at least a little bit more long term, assuming that you're in it for the long haul. So we have an awesome episode coming up next week. We're going to have Spider-Man. We're going to have the new Sonic. We're going to have Super Mario Brothers Wonder all in one episode. I saw Vincent mention in chat, he's like, well, there's probably not going to be a name that game next week, and he's probably right. We're going to have a lot of important stuff to get to in next week's episode. Uh, But anyway, thanks again for watching. We appreciate all you guys. Have a great week. Game Face is up and out.